so self-conscious. You just got to let it go. And you got to like make mistakes and you got to kind of just own it and say, oh, you know what? It happens. Yeah. I, feel, I, I find that people don't really notice anyway. Like you're kind of hyper-focused on yourself. Whereas like other people, they're not going to notice all the you know, little mistakes you do. Uh, yeah. On that note, welcome to the Weave Crew Podcast. I'm your host, Mumi, as always. Join with me, my co-host, Psyotic. Thanks for having me, Mumi. Yeah, you're welcome. It's always <laughs> good to have you on. <laughs> and we also have with us a special guest, the Happy Console Gamer. How's it going, Johnny? It, it, it's good. We're doing this out of order, and I think that's absolutely amazing. We're at, the, at the, <laughs> we're at the end of the podcast doing the intro, but it makes so much sense because we kind of went all over the place, and we just had to start having a conversation and having some fun talking about all this stuff. <laughs> The magic of editing. This is a very experimental podcast. But it was close. I didn't want to stop us. I'm like, man, we're on a roll. Let's just I was keep like, going. Yeah, we're like, 30 minutes in. We haven't done an intro. Maybe we just won't do one for this episode. But, yeah, um, but actually, I really think it's so cool. You had my mentor on. You had William Chow on. That I think right, that, right, yeah. it was funny because he was like the one that we wanted to have on like first. Like we were kind of yeah, like going yeah. through like people's like, oh man, that'd be kind of cool to have him on. But like we didn't like we reached out to him, but like it wasn't like a feasible seeming kind of thing. And then we reached out to Kenny and like he came on and whenever we talk about people, I'll like put them in the time code, you know, where we're talking about them. Just yeah, so. yeah. And just like at them, basically. I didn't actually know it would ping, like send a notification to them. Right, <laughs> I was just thinking right, like, yeah, oh, like, you know, yeah. you're like putting them in the time code. So like it'll pop up if like anyone searches like their, their channel name or whatever. And right, so right, I right. guess it sent him a notification. And he watched it, <laughs> but he didn't like we had sent him an email probably at that point, it would have been like a month prior or so. Yeah, about a month. So, like, it was kind of weird when he, like, <laughs> did a response to us. Like, oh. Well, yeah, he made a video about it, about how he was mentioned on this podcast. And I think he I think he was totally taken back by it, you know. And, I, I, and so I saw that video and I'm like, that's freaking awesome. So I went in and I watched your whole video uh, talking to Kenny. And I was just, I, you know, I was so happy that p- younger people were acknowledging William Chow because he's, he was the guru. He was the big man on campus in Vancouver and across Canada and in pretty well North America at the time. And yeah, um, yeah. I grew up, like, I saw him found the the Japanese Animation Club in Vancouver in, like, 1988. And just to see what he did for anime and what he did for all of us, I mean, it was remarkable. And I looked up to the guy. I did. I was like, I want to be William Chow when I grow up. I, I do because <laughs> I used to go over his place. And he had laser discs and like box sets, like, like the kind of, he had adult money and he was spending it so irresponsibly, fantastically on anime. <laughs> and I was just, I'm like, I'm a, I want to grow up and be irresponsible like him because it's awesome. And yeah. it was so cool. And so, yeah, glad that you guys could acknowledge him because he's so important uh, in the scene. Yeah, it was, it was a good episode when we had him on too. His knowledge of back then. I mean, it's kind of funny me and him are a product of the time. We are the 80s, 90s guys, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the early 2000s. And then we're kind of like, I'm kind of lost with the amount of anime that there is now. I remember back in the day, I could tell you every single anime that was out. I knew everything. And mm-hmm. nowadays yeah. I can say, no, I don't know everything. But there was a time when I pretty much did. At least I knew what the animes were. But now there's so much. Right. Every year, like there's so much more. Hundreds and hundreds just come out, and it's yeah. And you can't watch everything, especially you know not now. Well, do you guys like? Here's a question to you: Do you think anime has become more generic over time, or do you think it's a? Do you think like me and William are caught in the 80s and 90s and won't let the past go, and that nowadays anime's better? I I, I don't particularly think so. I think anime's good now. 
Uh, I don't think it has the kind of sci-fi stories that it had in the 80s and 90s. But what do you guys think? If you're wanting like sci-fi specifically, maybe, like there's definitely not like that kind of cyberpunk or like mecha scene that there was in like the 80s or like early 90s. Like you look at like Mm -hmm. the Gundam that aired uh, here recently, The Witch from Mercury, that didn't make nearly the splash or have as much like attention as it would have, you know, back when Gundam Wing aired or like Victory Gundam. I don't think anime has necessarily gotten... Like, I think there's aspects of production that have definitely gotten worse. And then there's definitely, like, as far as, like, what's being pushed and, like, marketed, there's definitely kind of a stagnation, I guess you could say. Like, there's a lot of similar-seeming kind of shows that kind of get pushed in front of people where they kind of have this perception of, like, oh, all anime is X or Y these days. But there is, there is like, this undercurrent of, like, anime that's being released that is, like, way off the wall. Like, you had Sunny Boy come out not too long ago, which was, like, this almost art house project where it's about, like, kids that, like, it's almost like the drifting classroom or something. And it, like, has, like, elements of, like, Lord of the Flies or something like that. And they all have, like, it's a psychological kind of show. You get a lot of, like, experimental shows like that that might not have necessarily been greenlit back in the 80s and 90s as TV anime. Obviously, there was a bigger OVA scene. Right. Which they could have been lit for, like, four episodes or something. But you do have a lot of OVAs that got canceled after like three or four episodes. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really interesting back then that the OVA scene was like, you just get an OVA. Like, I remember when they came out with Battle Angel, you kind of just got like, I think it was one or two episodes and then it was it. They just didn't continue it. It's like, why? And then something like Legend of Galactic Heroes continues on for 110. So it's just like, you could go to, you could, the thing is, yeah, I think the the format of an OVA, because you're not restricted to television in terms of, length or content uh gave people more freedom in some ways uh but also you know it's it was more of a um of a risk of how much you could do whereas with it's it's rare for a for a tv anime especially one that's like only 12 or 24 episodes to be canceled partway through uh so you have a little bit more security there but you're a little bit more restricted in terms of like the amount of maybe violence or nudity that you're allowed to get away with showing hey that's that's another thing and that i when i grew up in the 80s and 90s, anime was so, there was so much sex, violence, blood, and guts. And like, like even in like Megazone, the, the raw blood and guts and sex was like shocking to me as a child. I was a kid when I saw this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I, I, I thought it was great because I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I don't see the same level of gore, at least. I was talking, talking about, I was narrow it down to gore. I'm not going to talk about sex. Yeah. It's always anti-stuff of all that. But there's no there's no level of gore like there used to be. And I used to love that stuff. Like on the like on the level of like like a Geno Cyber, which is just some of some of the most horrific stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, they'd be ripping people's faces off in there and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a there was a show that aired last year that was actually really popular with people called uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It's an adaptation of like Mike Pondsmith's like Cyberpunk World. Um Yeah, and it's tied to like the game and Yeah, stuff it was like what the out. marketing was tied to the game. Um it takes direct inspiration from like, you know, the 80s kind of OVAs and stuff where there's a lot of hyperviolence, uh, you know, hypersexuality, kind of stuff like that. So it's not that that stuff has completely gone away. And like even before uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, uh, you had like a show called Edith and Tachi. Oh, yeah, which yeah, yeah. You're before that. That yeah. was overly hyperviolent or over like overly sexualized. Yeah, that one, point- that one, yeah, that one got pretty. Uh- or Ishizoka reviewers before that in terms Sexuality, of like, yeah. content. But, uh, shock, which shocked a lot of people. Edith Itachi was like shocking and not like the, oh, whoa, this is sexualized, but in like a disturbing sexualized oh, kind of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
I, I think I've, se- I've seen everything. I've seen it all. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. I remember when William Chow gave me like Yurosuke Doji back in, we're talking like oh, yeah. 1990, 91, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and I remember watching that. Uh, I brought it home. I put it in and I was like, oh my God. I, I was so scared my parents were going to walk, come down and see what their son were watching. I'm just like, I, I was so, and I remember being, the 90s was also a very different time. I, I just remember yeah. watching going, this is so surreal. I think it was even almost banned in the UK. It might have been banned in the UK just for how graphic it was. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it's something else. I, I really, to be honest with you, nostalgia-wise, and I swear to God, it's nostalgia-wise, I would like them to release that on Blu-ray now because it is it is a product of the time. And I think what it was is, Japan, no pun intended, exploded at that point. It was like, it had to get that out of him itself in a way. Mm-hmm. It, 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 culturally, they said, here we go. Here's the most sexually insane, violent thing we could ever produce. There you go. The, the 80s were a, were, a, were a wild time in terms of uh, what you could get away with in anime for Japan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even stuff like Ixter 1 to a certain extent, I mean, that has, yeah. even some of the blood and guts in there is pretty interesting at times. I mean, you do see a child almost be murdered in that oh, too. Yeah, by the cr- pretty- yeah, yeah, that's, and do you know what? I bought the art book. I swear to God, it was 1987. And I remember, mm-hmm. f- and I didn't, back this, this is when you buy art books before you'd even see the anime because you couldn't get the anime. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm that old. It's crazy. Willing to tell you this too. So mm-hmm. I go to, in back in, in the day, there was one Japanese bookstore in Vancouver called Sophia's Bookstore, uh, Sophia's Books. And me and Willing mm-hmm. would go there. Um, he was older than me, so I didn't hang out with him. My dad would drive me there. I'd walk in, and whatever anime books were on that shelf, you picked it up. It's something you had never seen. You weren't going to see. You'd buy the book. You'd go home, and you'd study the book. So I'd buy, like, Ixa 1, and I'd study the book. And I remember getting to the scene, what you're talking about, about the child almost being killed. Well, the child actually did get killed. He got stepped on at one point later on. But looking at all the blood and guts and the mother turning into this creature on her daughter, and I remember going... I felt so disturbed, but it was so interesting, you know? And I, yeah, and, yeah. And I was piecing together the story. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So just based on the images, trying to figure out what happens? Yeah, that's what you would do. I mean, it's yeah. it's so weird. Like, I remember getting, even this is before William even started the, the subtitling and like, doing all his stuff, getting a tape sent to from Victoria, the animation club in, over there, which he ended mm-hmm. up opening up over here, William did. Um, but they'd send right. me beta tapes. I'd ask for like, oh, Royal Space Force. And I remember getting it in like 1988, putting it on my beta player, watching it with terrible video, uh, you know, um, and yeah. tracking was terrible. And I watched, there was no subtitles, and I watched the entire two-hour movie and had to figure out what was going on. And you were so enthused back then that that's what you would do. And you would right. like it. And then you'd, then you'd there'd be nobody to talk to about it. I would go to school and go, oh, I saw this amazing thing, Royal Space Force. And people were like, oh, shut up. Like, what are you talking about? Japanese animation? They, they thought that was weird. And you, yeah. you, like, if you listen to like Japanese music, you were looked at as weird in the, well, 80s, into, even into the 90s. It was a, I was the only guy in my school who knew what anime was mm-hmm. in high school. Could you imagine? I mean, now, I mean, it's, it's weird to think about it now because it's like so normalized and, and everywhere in, in like America and like North America. Yeah. And do you know, all, all me and William ever wanted to do, especially him, he did way more for anime than I will ever do. But we all, all we ever wanted, though, was for everybody to experience anime. I wanted my mm-hmm. whole high school to know about it. I wanted to preach about Dragon Ball. I, you know, like I saw, I saw Dragon Ball Z and nobody even knew what that was back in the 90s. 
And I just wanted everybody to watch it. I wanted everybody to watch Gundam and stuff like that and to really embrace it like Japan did. And it's kind of weird all the year, all these years later, we got exactly what we asked for, but you got to be careful what you wish for. And it's kind of, I'm not being funny. I'm glad it's mainstream now. That's great. But there was this, it's kind of, there was a special time when you'd go to a bookstore and buy a book and it was an anime and you're oh, what is this? And there's some magic about that. And you fill the rest in with your imagination, trying to understand the story and then finding out bits about it later on and talking to other people about it. This is before the internet. And it, it was interesting. And I, I, me and William have talked about it, that we really missed that time. It was a very special time. And I think we knew at the time that it was. And we didn't realize how quickly it would all change and it would become mainstream. And then everybody would be downloading anime on a daily basis. And uh, they wouldn't need to go and get tapes from an anime store. You know, it's subtitled by William back, you know, back in the day. So it was a special time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's like an element of that loss today for sure. I think we talked about that with William too. That back in the day, like we kind of talked about the utility of like anime conventions and stuff. Because like I remember even in the early 2000s, you know, internet wasn't, as ubiquitous with homes as it was like today so like right. yeah 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 i found like stuff like dragon ball and naruto and stuff like that stuff that was kind of becoming bigger in like shonen jump and stuff and then i found out like anime conventions and i go to anime convention and you would see like tons of like merchandise and stuff for anime that i've never even heard of whereas like today that doesn't really happen anymore like at a convention it's all stuff that you're gonna know like yeah there's not that utility of like finding new things you've never heard of it's more about like celebrating what you've kind of already know everyone's kind of already watched right i mean maybe for some people there is but i don't know maybe this sounds kind of arrogant but i guess for people who like us who pay maybe closer attention than like your average like anime consumer there isn't like i mean i go to conventions when i can and i try and look for stuff that i've never heard of before and i don't really i don't really come up with that much no there's almost like a kindred spiritness i guess to it where like it's not like we're doing anything that's like profound or anything, obviously. We're not even like subtitle group or anything, but yeah. we kind of have like that similar kind of mindset of like not just wanting for people to know what anime is, but we kind of like want to open, like expand like their kind of database and like their horizons kind of watch. for sure, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, like we talked about with William too, like there's so much like anime out now. But everybody just kind of like congregates toward like Netflix or Crunchyroll or whatever the streaming service is and like kind of just watches what's kind of told to them as what's most popular. So we kind of are trying to like provide a space, like any kind of space where like you watch something like a Shonen Baku Sozoku or like some show that you haven't heard of before and you can like have a space to talk about it with people. And there are a lot of, you know, kind of communities like that now. At least, like there's just not this kind of motion as far as like, you know, content creation or anything that kind of provides that space. Like Kenny obviously like talks about stuff like that, but it's more of like an introduction. There's not like a necessarily like a conversation going on where it's like talking about what happened later in the show. Cause obviously his video on Shonen Baku Sozoku, he only had one episode that he had been able to watch that was available at the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like once you watch the show, I don't know how much utility you would get out of that video. Whereas like you know, we might not be saying anything that's profound or like it, it, revolutionary. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because it kind of goes back to William Chow once again, is that back in the day, there was one Japanese animation club in Vancouver. And that was it. It wasn't like nowadays there's so many different clubs and, you know, different ways that people are in groups on Facebook or whatever it may be. But back then there was mm. one group. It didn't matter who you were, where you're from. What age you were, boy, girl, whatever, you're all invited 
to the Japanese Animation Club if you like Japanese animation. Doesn't matter what shows you like. Doesn't matter what you know what you're into. Come over and be a part of it. And I used to love it because I remember when William took over the Japanese Animation Club from Victoria. That was a small. It's off, uh, it was an island just off Vancouver. There's a group of very uh, hardcore sci- sci-fi fans that opened up an anime club uh, in the 80s. Uh, late late 80s and they passed the torch to William so he opened up the animation club here and it was just yeah it was so it was so cool going to those initial meetings because it was to be honest with you because Vancouver's predominantly Chinese I was like the only white guy wow okay it was predominantly Chinese and I'd walk in the room and I'm not joking everybody turned their head and look at me and go who's this guy um <laughs> because it was weird that the like, Caucasian people would be into anime and I was I was a very strange case. I was just one of those guys that discovered anime in like the 80s with Star Blazers, Yamato, stuff like that. Then I got into Robotech and then Galaxy Express in like 1985, stuff like that. And so I was this real weird novelty thing, but it didn't matter. As soon as I went over and started talking anime, everybody said, oh, wait, he, he, this guy, he's not just showing up because he, for, for some unknown reason, he knows what he's talking about. He's into it. And that's why me and William really hit it off because we were so hardcore. That we were into like anime stuff that was so on the edge that people didn't know about. And that's the stuff we like, just like you guys, you're interested in the stuff that not everybody knows about. That's that was us back then, too. We were really. Yeah, there was Macross, which we loved and all that and all the main uh, shows. But we like the weird shows off to the side. I'm like, and when William said, hey, have you seen this show? And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, here, here's a tape on it. And he's, he's like a drug pusher. And I take it and <laughs> I go home and watch it. And I was like, wow. And I, he he expanded my mind. If he didn't have that store that he had, I mean, which he had like thousands of videotapes of everything back then, which was the database of anime at that time. I mean, I, I took stuff home and and, and then, I, then I'd give it to friends. I'd tape it off that and, and I, I was spreading the word as well. That's what you did back then. So yeah, the, the groups have changed, definitely. Like there, There's no longer one Japanese animation club for everybody. It's all these different clicky groups now. And clicky groups yeah. always existed, but I think it's now... With the way the internet works and all that, you can be anywhere, anywhere, doing anything with a, a real niche group. If, if even there's only three people in that group, you're there. So, yeah, times have changed. And, and and maybe, I think, probably in a better way. I mean, people can communicate a lot easier now. There's definitely so. pros and cons. Like, yeah, like you said, you have communities for just about everything now. But at the same time, there's not, like, that mutual kind of level of, like, understanding of each other anymore. Because, you know, back in the day, like, you had, like, that kind of barrier of entry where, you know, if somebody was at, like, a s- certain point of, like, anime enjoyment, it was kind of like a camaraderie where it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you're one of us kind of thing. Now it's so kind of readily available that that kind of mutual level of understanding is lost because, like, you know, like you said, you got people who had just watched My Hero Academia or whatever's popular on Netflix all the way to people who are watching, like, obscure VHS rips of some OVA that was lost until about two years ago. <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing is that anime has become so big now, so mainstream, and there's so much anime coming out is that there, you know, it doesn't really make sense to talk about the anime fandom as a, as a like holistic monolithic thing where there's like a lot of different sub communities now that are more interacting just within their own sub-communities than interacting with other ones. It's almost like, you know, it's kind of, it's balkanized effectively where, you know, it's like there isn't an anime fandom just like there isn't a television fandom or a movie fandom, really, because that's they're like so broad and so big that you have really just 
all these uh, different groups who are fans of specific things. And I, I gotta say as well, the one thing that I really think is good that has changed is I was I mentioned it a little bit is that if you are into anime and things and even science fiction movies or video games, back when I was in high school and well God in the nineties, you didn't talk about that stuff because you'd be you you like people would not would jump in to make fun of you because it was cool to make fun of people who were into nerdy things. And there was always those groups yeah. of people in high school that were into the nerdy. They were classed as the nerds, which is so ridiculous because they like science fiction movies. Those, and I was always drawn to those people because that's what I like too. And so I had, I had a lot of different groups of friends in high school. I got, I kind of got along with everybody, but I'm glad the stigma of, Oh, you're into to superhero movies. Oh, you're into this or superhero comics. It was back then. Um, but you're not classed as nerdy anymore because it's so mainstream. You're like, oh, I like The Flash now. It's like, okay, that's fine. Oh, I like Captain America. Okay. Back, if you said that in high school in the 90s, people were like, okay, nerd boy. That's, that's <laughs> what they would say. And uh, so it was kind of neat being into something that was so underground, but I dare not mention it to the wrong person or they'd be like thinking you're crazy. And there was something kind of, I know this is going to sound so dumb. But kind of like dangerously fun about it. Like you had this neat, mm. insane thing all to yourself that it was like a treasure trove of like of great science fiction, fantasy, gore, uh, you know, all of that. Like this cool fucking thing. And nobody knew what it was. But if you mentioned it, you'd be made fun of. It's so it was this weird barrier. And I'm glad that that's kind of gone now that anybody can say, I like anime. And nobody's going to say, oh, that's insane. Nobody says that now. It was like, yeah, yeah, get in yeah. line. So what? The last episode, the last episode, we had our friend Joe on. And he was basically talking about how you know, if you're not into anime, it's kind of hard to pull on on Tinder these days. Yeah, yeah, I bet, right? Jeez, you know, it's like the exact opposite thing now. Yeah, I mean, times times have really changed. I, but you know, I I'll be honest with you, I still gravitate. And it's probably just my age. I'm I'm the first to admit that I still gravitate to the '80s and '90s anime, and I still. That's mainly what I collect. When I go and buy Blu-rays now, mm -hmm. I'm buying the Blu-ray collections from the 80s and 90s of all those shows that I had on VHS. Then I'm like, oh, now I can get yeah, yeah. now I can get Zillion on a box set Blu-ray. I'll get that. Or I can get Dunbine, uh, you know, on a box set. I'll get that. And and to be honest with you, some shows of the 80s, and actually quite a lot of them, you'll go back and watch and they don't hold up incredibly well. But the nostalgia for that time and what that represented is still strong. And, and all that. Like, I went back and watched a bit of Dunbine. And I got to say, Dunbine has some of the greatest mecha designs ever. I think they're just fantastic. But the show is lunacy. And it's, it's, and it's really kind of, it's tough to take at times. It shows its age. Because we've come so far with storytelling. So yeah. far. And I think, I, kudos to them in the 80s. And the 70s for some of the groundbreaking stuff they did in Japan. I mean, it paved mm -hmm. the way. I mean... It's, it's, and I loved how they, they copied a lot of American stuff back then. And, you know, like, especially like Terminator and all that and incorporated it. Like, you know, it's, it's especially like, like a, like a Starship Troopers OVA. Oh, the, the Starship Troopers OVA is awesome. I watched that on, uh, on, what was it, YouTube a couple of years ago. Generic character designs, but it was very well told. I really liked mm. it. Yeah. We mean to check it out because uh, in our in our Discord server, we do try to, you know, make a concerted effort to go back and watch things, watch things that are like even like, you know, slept on by like a lot of people who like really like like older stuff. Like, uh, what were we watching? What were we watching the other day, Mumi? Oh, um, Tenamoyan, Ten, uh, 
Tenamanian ten, <laughs> Tenamanian <Oops>. Voyagers. <laughs> Hard name to pronounce, and we were just like, how the hell has like no one heard, like talked about this show on like YouTube yet? It's fucking phenomenal. It's beautifully animated. What the hell? So we do try to like, you know, we just try to like, um, because we don't, because, you know, the idea of like, are there still hidden gems in the medium of anime at this oh, yeah. point is, oh, yeah, there is. is an interesting question. And I think the answer is yes, given that we do still keep finding things that really like, you know, blows our minds and presses us. I do think the pool is getting very shallow, though. <laughs> like as as much as I've seen, it feels like the things that we find that are like hidden gems feel like the exception rather than the, the rule now. There's still obviously things out there that haven't made it over onto the internet yet. Like, um, Oish- like a show called Oishimbo recently just kind of got on. And then the aforementioned uh, Shonen Baku Sozoku, both of those have just kind of made their way on the internet. So it- those make me hopeful that there's still a decent amount out there. But I think the pool is definitely kind of like drying up of like as we kind of go back and get more things archived digitally. Yeah, I, I-, I honestly want to do another... I don't do anime episodes on the show anymore. I just talk about video games. But there was one I did where I want to talk about old anime that you should watch. Some of the animes that I can't believe there seem to be lost in time and nobody ever talks about them is obviously it was based in the manga in New Type. But the five star stories movie uh, OVA, nobody ever talks about yeah. that. And that that is absolutely fantastic stuff. And even uh, Shiro Mazamune's uh, Black Magic M66. That is an anime my, me and my friends would be watching in 1989, and we just adore. Did you guys ever see that? Yeah, we actually watched that. Uh, was it last year? I don't remember. I, don't think I, I must not have been there for that one because I'm like, I don't. Uh, I've not seen. Maybe wait, have I seen that one yet? It was the What's one with like again? the robot doll running around shooting people. Yeah, the Terminator robots that have that girl's name programmed in their mind, or in their, in their obviously in their robot uh, brains, and they, they're like Terminators, and they got to take her out. No, I missed this one. Yeah, I missed this one. But meaning to go back to uh, it. It's a pretty good one, yeah. It's a fun one. I mean, uh, yeah. I th- I believe there's a lot of hidden animes out there, especially for people who are not so old, uh, you know, that are your, your mm-hmm. guys' age, that there's so much from the past that's really interesting. And some, like, OVAs are just, like, one you know, one or two OVAs that were released that are very, very interesting. And then, yeah, I, I have them all in, yeah. I have a lot of them on DVD from back in the day that never have gotten Blu-ray never releases. Never gotten Blu-ray releases, Yeah. It's nice that, like, you have a company like Discotech nowadays who are, like, starting to go back and, like, release. Um, well, right now they've got an upcoming release of uh, Gunbuster. Oh, I, I, already had a pre- I already had that pre-ordered months ago. I, I Yeah, I'm waiting for that to show up whenever it ships, so. And then I think uh, recently, uh, maybe, like, a year or so ago, they did Project Echo, and they actually were able to do, like, a proper, like, remaster from the original, like, film negatives and even had, like, um, like liner notes or something for it that they included with their release because they found them. Uh, in this warehouse where they were storing the film. Yeah, wasn't it Robert Woodhead who found it? I think so. Yeah, yeah, a- Anime Ego. He 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 was over. I think he was doing something with Maddox, and he he just looked beside him, and his Project Echo was there, like which was lost for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I mean, that's such a that I told that story to a few people because it's so amazing. I'm so happy they found it because I know they were trying to do a master of off the laser discs, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool, but um, but you know, the, uh, the one thing I'll say about Project Echo. Did you, if you guys watch that, I mean, the one thing that really kind of brings a little tear to my eye is that I wish the people, the pe- when they were doing the animation, uh, cell laying back then and doing the scans, when the movie was first created, they swept up the dust. Oh yeah. That's always like a problem. Yeah. Especially on a 4k TV, Project Echo mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite anime films of all time. It's up there and I'm watching it and I'm like, John, just let it go. Just I'm like, there's so much dust. There's so much like, John, <laughs> let it go. 
I'm like, oh my yeah. god, like I, because I love that film. But they, I, it's nothing that um, discotheque could do anything about. It. I mean, the dust was already there. Yeah, unless unless you want to go through frame by frame and try and clean it up, which is not really feasible for like a feature length movie. But it's funny because the the opening starts and it's like pan up in in from in space uh, down to the earth and. All you see is the stars and dust. And it's like, oh my. That's how good of a job they did scanning that. Probably did a 4K on it. I think it was I think it was a 4K scan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And all that. But hey, I was very happy to have that movie. I mean, that that's I remember back in the day of, you know, going to an anime convention in like 1988, going into a back room, a wooden television. And they're like, oh, we're going to start playing Project Echo in like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And you're like, what's that? And me and my friend sat down and we were just like, you'd never seen anything like that. And I remember the effect that had on me, I still feel to this day, the enthusiasm. It just it was like, I cannot believe how cool this is. This is like the coolest mm-hmm. fucking thing I've ever seen. And that's why anime, that's why I like anime. I mean, like in certain times in my life, I saw anime that changed my life. You know, you know, mm. you, it's going to happen to you guys too. What well, some animes that changed your life that you saw? Um, I'd say the top three are probably going to be Evangelion, Fully Cooly, and uh, Daikon Four, which all of those all are Gainax. But yeah, like Evangelion's kind of been like that show that's always just kind of been in the peripheral of my life. Like even when I wasn't watching anime actively anymore, like I would still kind of go back and rewatch Evangelion. Similar with Fully Cooley. Fully Cooley was one that like I think resonated with me quite a lot more than Evangelion even um, when I was younger. Uh, and like I can go back and I can it's almost like a time machine, right? Like you kind of can feel all those kind of feelings you had watching it for the first time when you were like 11, 12 years old, 20 years later. And then Daikon 4, like I didn't watch that obviously 20 years ago. But it's that's one like I think I feel like that's probably similar to like Project Echo for you. Where like you just feel like the enthusiasm for like the medium and it's like almost infectious. Mm-hmm. And like you just get so like overwhelmed with like the emotion and pathos behind it that you're just like, man, like <laughs> yeah, especially like Daikon 4, when I I got I saw that in Jesus, probably the late 80s. And I was just like, I you could yeah, exactly what you said, the the enthusiasm, the level of detail and attention and the love and the passion of all medium put into an anime form was like, I mean. You'd never seen anything like like that. You'll never see anything like that again. Nobody would let them ever do that again. They just did it because they were oh, fans. with all the copyright infringement. Oh, yeah. They're still struggling to like do like a proper release of that nowadays because of that. They should just um, they should just honestly scan scan it, put it online on YouTube. Just release, just put it on archive.org where it can be forever. Yeah, and well, you know what? Actually, set, um, set up a PayPal link. I will send money to them hand over fist to get a good version of that. Well, yeah. there was actually a, a fan group. Kaneko Video were planning on doing a, a proper, like, from the film remaster of Daikon 3. And they basically, the project was done. They even had, like, a raw scan of it uploaded to their YouTube channel. And what happened was Gainax actually stepped in and said... Uh, please don't do this. We're actually planning on doing our own release. Uh, so, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you just like sort of like held on to this. Uh, and, you know, of course, they, you know, wanted to stay in their good graces, you know, uh, complied. So we still don't have access to a um, a proper remastered version of Daikon 3. But 
Hopefully we will sometime in the hopefully near future. That would be amazing. I mean, I mean, yeah, that spoke to all anime fans, especially in the yeah. 80s. It was, just, it was like you felt like you were part of that secret world. And I'm talking about when you saw it in the late 80s. You're like, oh, wow. Like, look at what they're doing in Japan. They really yeah. they're really into sci-fi and everything and comics and everything like. These people yeah, are yeah, amazing. It's, it's, yeah, you know, people sometimes criticize, like, anime for being, like, too insular or just taking inspiration from, like, anime and manga and nothing else. But you look at something like, you know, like, Daikon 3 and 4, and you can tell that, you know, people really, they really are, like, pulling from, like, you know, American superhero comics, sci-fi, all over the place, really. And to be honest with you, it's so appropriate for the time because anime, even in Japan, was a smaller thing. It was bigger than it was here, but it was, like... It was about fandom. It wasn't just about yeah. the anime. It was about all of fandom. If you were a fan, which me and Will William were, we liked Star Trek. We liked Star Wars. We liked anything to do with that style of stuff. And and so did the Japanese. And the Japanese were acknowledging that and saying, yeah, we love this stuff too. And and then after that, I mean, some of the shows that, that came out of Japan after Daikon Four Time, I mean, it's just yeah legendary. Well, it's like well, it's like it's, it's a similar thing between like the U.S. and Japan, where in both places, uh, anime fandom sort of developed out of like the sci-fi scene, really, where you know sci-fi clubs always had like a sort of like subset of like anime fans in it. Uh, but you also have that in Japan as well, and like the conventions that Daikon Three and Four were playing at as like convention openings were sci-fi conventions. They weren't anime conventions. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really different kind of time. I mean, the comet market, wasn't it? Like, stuff like that. I know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know. It's 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 great to see. And uh, do you know what? I, it sounds uh, for, silly for me to say, but I'm so thrilled that you guys know what Daikon 4 is. Oh, yeah. it's That's, like, one of my favorite pieces of media, like, ever. Yeah, but but you, like, guys, you guys are younger, so, like, for me, that feels like an old man thing. Like, oh, that's from my time. And mm-hmm. because there's no good version of it, it's like, how did you guys watch it? Like, it's like, did you just watch the YouTube version? I guess so, eh? Yeah, I think that's actually, like, the best quality version because they did their best to, like, upscale it into, like, yeah. a higher quality. Because, like, I think all we had before that was, like, like a VHS or Laserdisc script. Laserdisc, yeah. Yeah, I, I even bought the record, the, the, the vinyl, for for the, for that song that plays for Daikon 4. It's, a, it's a, some American Yellow. thing. Yeah, what's, what's it called again? Do you remember? Uh, Electric Light Orchestra? That's right, yeah. I, I have that record. What's oh, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Once in a while, I put that on. I'm like, oh man, the '80s. <laughs> it's just like you kind of yeah. get that feeling and all of that. That's for sure. Well, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, and you watch how it's used in Daikon Four, and you know, it just gives you chills. But something Moomy and I were talking about uh, a while, like a couple days ago, was um, the fact that we've kind of had like between like William Chow, you, and then like us and the other guests we've had on, we've had like four different generations now, spanning four generations of people who are, like, fans of anime. And I think that's, like, a a really interesting thing in terms of just, like, different experiences growing up and learning about what anime is and getting into it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And, you know, it's funny. I had Will over here probably about a year or two ago. Maybe it was Mm -hmm. about a year ago. And we were talking, and we were, like, these two old men sitting down at a table. (laughs) And I was kind of finally his equal. And the reason why I say that, when I knew William... I was a little kid mm-hmm. and William was an older guy who had money and was doing stuff. And like, it just, like, but it was so neat that these two p- personalities could sit down now. And I said to him, I said, you know what, Will? And I said, you know, what? Like, when you had the anime store, I said, you know, and all this, I said, I really miss that time. And he turned to me and he goes, you know what? He goes, I really miss that time too. It was this, we had this moment and it was kind of like a, a smaller emotional moment that we really shared something 
that is gone. That is never coming back. We only have it in our collective memories. And I'll say this much, and I, I'll, I'll say this much even about video games too. And I'm not, like I'm saying right now is a great time for anime. And one of the best times ever for video games. But I would not trade my upbringing for anything. I, I honestly, I don't sound, I'm not knocking this time, but I wouldn't want to grow up in this time. I'm glad I grew up the beginnings of it all. I got to see the beginning of fandoms. I got to see all of the 80s movies as they came out, like Predator and Terminator. It was the golden era. And I didn't even know it was the golden era. Neither did William. We didn't know. And, and then anime starting and then seeing, you know, Dragon Ball on television for the first time, even Sailor Moon and then, you know, uh, and Gundam coming on. I got to see the birth of all of fandom and see it flourish and, and grow. And I got to see it when it was a very, very special time. And it wasn't so mainstream. Uh, and I got, mm -hmm. and I got, but I'm glad that it is mainstream. I want everybody to experience it. I'm not a gatekeeper. That's one thing I yeah. never was. And I never want to be, and I never have been. But I, I'm glad I got that upbringing, and I'm glad I got to see things the way I did, and I got to go come, you know, like I have memories of coming home, and there's a tape in my post box in front of my house, and I pull it out, I come in. And I'd watch Totoro in 1988 for the very first time, no subtitles, and go, look at, this is amazing. Or uh, or get Bubblegum Crisis, the rest of them. And it was like special, really special times. And uh, and I was the guy on my street uh, and in my neighborhood and in my high school preaching anime. I would invite mm. people over to my house just to show them anime. And I was making true believers. I started this big group up of people. And I started getting everybody enthused about it. And that's because I loved it. Like you guys, I loved it so much that I wanted to convert people. You know, I'm not a religious yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm mean, not... I, I kind of do like um, a similar thing uh, when talking about anime, especially like, you know, with people I know in real life who they might already be into anime nowadays. But I, I do try to like, you know, get them to watch stuff that's like lesser known, stuff that's older, you know, more under the radar than like the more mainstream stuff, you know, stuff that's like really underground. And a lot of the times they end up like appreciating it. And it's always a really nice thing to see. Yeah, no, it's 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 the amount I, I, I can say, like, I remember when my friend Rob, when we first started hanging out again in the like, oh, God, I was 22 and he was like 18 and he was a friend of my uh, like he was a, a brother of a friend of mine. And I bumped into him in the, the 90s and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, and so we traded numbers because back then it wasn't the internet. So you're like, oh, you like, hang, you know, you like playing video games? We should hang out one time. Right. So I gave my number. And here's the funny thing. And Rob always talks about this, too, is that I get a phone call the next day from Rob. And he's like, hey, hey, he's talking to me. And he's like, hey, have you ever heard of a thing called anime? And he, he said to me that there's this like silence on the phone. It just goes silent. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, uh, what are you doing right now? And he's like, nothing. I said, get in your bike. Because this is the time period. Get in your bike. Get over here right now. So he came over and I had a wall of anime, of, of videotapes that I got from William Zhao. So we can all thank William Zhao for that. And I, I, gave him the, I gave him all my tapes for Captain Tyler. And I said, here, go home, watch this, and then call me when you're done. And then a couple of days later, he calls me. He's like, oh, my God. And then so he came over and we just I just started indoctrinating him into anime and like everything and video, even even video games. He wasn't even into Street Fighter back then. I got him really into Street Fighter. I had a similar experience like that in high school where in like study hall or something, I was I was sitting 
uh, just on my laptop, on my like school laptop, and I was watching Evangelion on some piracy site. Uh, and my friend was sitting next to me. He's like, hey, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, I'm just watching this show called Evangelion. It's about like giant robots and shit. It's supposed to be really good. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I'll watch it with you. So we watch it. We go home for the day. I, I see him like the next day, and he watched the entire goddamn thing, and he's like, dude, that was an experience. I'm like, oh, really? I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, like, nobody can say that how, how big Evangelion was when it came out. Oh, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to overstate that. It, it, it is. I mean, hey, I got my tape from William Chow. I brought it home. I think he mm. only had the first three episodes or something. And I remember watching that first episode. I must have watched that first episode. Like ten times when I, I first brought it home, I I could not believe how fascinating it was. Like talking about you know like where they're fighting God and God's using angels to attack. I mean, these were so fascinating that that's what the Japanese were just firing on all cylinders. I mm-hmm. mean, the imagination and the level of things were so cool. I mean, and as as you go with that show, as you guys know, it gets so much more insane. It gets it it starts it flies off the rails by the end. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. interesting about that is like it's pretty well documented. Like even when it came over to the U.S. like around two thousand three, two thousand four, like that kind of coincided with like um, you know the big disaster at the time, Hurricane Katrina. So like people had like that kind of imagery in their mind of like flooded cities and stuff like that. And then Evangelion comes along. And so like you had like this connection, even on like that level, even though it's a Japanese production, like it was still kind of reflecting life for like a Western kind of perspective, even five, 10 years later. Yeah. No, you know, somebody can watch that show now and it's still equally as good. It hasn't, it hasn't aged. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I remember though, you know, a lot of people talk about the ending, how they were so mad about it. I, I watched it and I'm like, this is weird. It's just fitting. That's what I said back then. I'm like, yeah, yeah it is what it is. It, it is what it is. And I watched, I remember that last episode, they're all clapping and I'm like, what the fuck? What? This is the ending? Like, <laughs> I, I'm, to be honest with you, so much of that show is so all over the place anyways, that you just kind of have to accept it because it's so... yeah lunacy when you get to the end anyways so it's, it's interesting because like i never felt that when i watched the ending like i always was like am i just because i was just so young i was just like oh that was good and, like i never there was never like a moment of like what just Why implicitly was, that was, like, accepting what you're seeing on screen yeah well for and, me for me I, I watched the ending and i was just like okay that's the ending and i wasn't mad about it or anything like that it wasn't until the internet that mm. and it was like years later after i said seen it that people are like talking about it and all oh, that ending and i was like yeah that ending was pretty silly then i kind of jumped on at that point when there was somebody to talk to about it but i i wasn't i wasn't angry at the ending i just was like that's the end of the show <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's it that's all i mean i think was. it's really interesting what they did with it, especially visually and i kind of wish i saw that more in a lot of anime yeah and didn't so didn't they, they went back and reanimated it didn't they didn't they change the ending they changed the ending so many bloody times uh, i mean they reanimated some stuff for like a home media release and then they made the end of evangelion which was supposed to be like the true ending or something along those lines yeah i gotta admit guys like after that i kind of got lost in what the hell was going on with Evangelion. Oh, yeah. just, and then and then the rebuilds, which are sequels, but also remake. It gets really confusing. Yeah, it got really confusing. And I was just like, you know what? I like the original show and I kind of liked a bit of the movie. I'm out. And I've tried to watch some of the I, I don't even know. Like, was, is it on Prime? Did I watch it? I think the newer I think the new movies are on Prime. Yeah, I, I started to watch it and I was like, it's interesting and I, I like all the technology and all the weird stuff and I, I think that's cool, but 
it's so weird how it's like it's all 3D now, but they do a good job mm. masking it. It looks really nice, but I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm I, I just kind of like, I'm out. I don't, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, the, the rebuilds are like interesting to me from like a meta perspective. Evangelion's like my favorite anime of all time. So like I got really into like reading into the creators and interviews and stuff like that. So for me, I see the rebuilds as Anno, the director, kind of rejecting what he made back in the 90s and like rejecting that facet of himself that he sees in the show and kind of trying to reclaim it as his own like image now and kind of addressing the criticisms that he might have or like others have had for the show. Right. Um, but you can't please everybody. I mean, it's like George Lucas going back and changing the original Star Wars movies. I mean, sometimes you just have to let it be. And all yeah. that, yeah. but but no, I mean, if he needs, he, if he has something to, to say, then I get it. But it's that I, I just is like I, I, I don't know what's going on anymore. Pretty much, I, yeah. I have no idea what's going on anymore. I'm out. It's it's definitely interesting, is but it is very complicated. It makes it makes for an interesting conversation when trying to piece it all together. Yeah, for me nowadays, it's just about going and collecting all the old anime. Discotech is just the best for that right now. I mean, there's so like to get Gunbuster. You guys have seen Gunbuster, right? Eh? Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I won't say, I won't spoil it for anybody listening, but that ending. God damn it, that ending of Gunbuster. When I oh, saw yeah, when, yeah. when I saw that, I mean, ah, just so incredible. Like I mean, so the the science fiction storytelling of, you know, Gynex and stuff like that back in the day was just outrageous, right, with what they were doing. I don't know. I mean, that that when they got to Earth at the end, I'm like, wow. Like, that, yeah, I'm not going to say any more to, to ruin it, but... Yeah, it's, it's a very profound kind of, like, moment and shot, really. Like, it's a very iconic scene that I think has been kind of referenced a few times in shows. I got to ask you guys a question, because you're the younger generation. How are you finding these... How are you finding Gunbuster and Ixter One and Dangayo? And how, how are you finding mm. that? I mean, because like, I just want to say, there's no guide out there. There's so much... There's so much mm -hmm. to look at online. Like, how do you guys negotiate all that and say, oh, there's some anime that I think I'll watch from the past? Like, take a gamble on? It's so weird. There's some yeah, levels so to it. Like, it's a mix. Yeah. So, we'll hear about stuff through just the grapevine, other people talking about it who've seen it. But also, I actually coded a, you just wrote up a little program that will pull just a random anime based on like some sort of specs I've given, like how long it is or when it came out or how many people have seen it to just like give us like something random to watch. And we'll just go with that. There is there is like levels, though, where like Gunbuster is pretty highly regarded. Like once you kind of get out of like that initial kind of maybe one or two levels of like, you know, entry level being in the anime. Once you kind of start ex expanding your horizons, there are communities that kind of make charts and stuff and stuff like Gunbuster, Evangelion. The more big name kind of shows are kind of spread around. Stuff like X or One, though, you kind of have to dig quite a bit deeper. <laughs> I guess if you get into like a mecha community, they probably talk about quite a bit more. But like if you're just watching anime from all facets, like we kind of try to surpass our own biases by just doing like randomizers. So like, you know, when I kind of like will pick something at random to watch, it might be something that's kind of in line with what I would usually watch anyway. So the good thing about doing like a randomizer or something through these databases is it's kind of circumventing that. And it's just like, oh, here you go. You're watching this now. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You're the, the next generation that's going to get older and to, to teach the younger generation to you. 
that's going to come up. So I'm I'm really happy that we're I feel like we're in good hands with you guys, uh, and you know, you two represent a lot of other people out there as well. So I'm I'm really happy that you're you're not forgetting the past and not being blinded by the past. Even I am not blinded by the past. But there's a mm-hmm. lot there is a lot of good stuff in the in the past that has come out, and I'm I'm happy that you guys are are preaching that because one day. You're going to be me. <laughs> You're going to be 49 years old and go, oh, my God. It's a long time since the original Macross came out. And uh, Robotech. I mean, I remember watching Robotech I, you know, on television, you know, just walking mm-hmm. in, picking up the TV guide in 85 going, oh, I wonder what's on TV today. And uh, the checking out Saturday with all the Saturday morning cartoons. I'm like, oh, my God, Robotech, Robotech starting at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I, I'd read a little something about it in a magazine ad. And I put it on. I taped it on beta. I actually have the very first episode uh, memorized of, of, of the, the Macro Saga, Robotech, uh, Booby Traps, the name of the episode. And I watched that episode so many times. I was so moved by the episode that I went and grabbed my father from upstairs. I must have been about 11 years old. I'm like, Dad, you got to come watch this. And he's like, my dad is an old school guy. I mean, he's like, he was a good guy. He took me to every 80s movie there was, all of them, every single one, all the greats. Sure. But but getting him, I, I sat him down. I said, dad, you got to watch this. Because I thought Macross, the first episode was like, so the sci-fi there, all of that. I was seeing a lot more where my dad just saw a cartoon and he tuned out and he watched it. He's like, oh yeah, that's interesting. But he didn't give a fuck, you know, he didn't care less yeah. and, and all of that. So yeah, I mean, it's it's funny being that young guy then, and I'm 49 years old now, talking about that moment. You're, I, I wonder what times are going to be like when you're older. Yeah, when you're my age, I'll be like, I'll probably be dead. Um, <laughs> but but you guys, will, I wonder how the anime scene will be then. Because if you think there's a lot of anime now, give it another 20 plus years. Oh, yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting in however many decades to like look back and, and like even look at like really popular anime now like you know think about like oh man i remember my hero academia i remember jujutsu kaisen demon slayer i remember when that was like the big thing everyone was talking about i get that a little bit now even you know stuff like naruto and stuff like oh yeah yeah yeah. it's been almost 10 years since that show ended and that was such a big pivotal part of like anime early on yeah but naruto still feels like it's in it's it's hasn't left yet you know what i mean it has that feeling it hasn't left yet even though it's been that long. Naruto still seems fresh still. Part of that is because like they made the sequel. Uh, so it is kind of still kind of being shuffled around. Same with like Bleach too. Bleach just had a new season that aired. My here God. Recently. How many episodes are they at with that show? Um, it got canceled at like what? 300 episodes? I'm not really sure. I'm not a huge Bleach fan. It got canceled and then it just got renewed like last season. I think it was. But yeah, you, you kind of... You kind of are seeing that a little bit with like early 2000s shows right now. Like there's this joke that kind of goes around. Um, I don't know if you know the show Azamanga Dayo. Is there an English? Like I usually need to know the English titles. I think that is the English. Is that the English? Then <laughs> like, I, I don't, don't know, know it. No, I don't know like, it. Don't know. It, it came out in like 2002. There was like this kind of joke image that kind of got floated around around 2012. That was like Azamanga Dayo is a decade old show. That image is now a decade old image. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because sometimes what I'll do is I like to go through just like um, – because the internet in a lot of ways just acts like an archive of stuff for better or worse. Um, so what I like to do is I like to go to um, like old like Usenet threads because Google had like archived all of them basically. And I like to look at like 
well, back in like 1995, back in like, you know, before the internet was really even much of a thing, what were people saying about Evangelion? What were people saying about Sailor Moon when it came, when it came out? And something interesting I learned is that the conversations a lot of people have now about anime, like subs versus dubs, or there's too much, you know, anime nowadays isn't as good as anime back uh, back then, is those conversations were all still happening in the 90s, which is a really funny thing to think about. You know, people complaining about, like, Sailor Moon and all this, you know, Magical Girl shit taking over the genre. And you look at that now, and it's like, wow. Well, yeah, there was a lot of Magical Girl shows back then. I remember that. Like, everything. Magic Knight, Ray Earth, I mean, Sailor Moon. Everything that, that was coming out seemed to be following that trend. I think people were annoyed about that, saying, can we get back to the sci-fi, the hardcore sci-fi stuff? Or the, the shows that used to drive me crazy. I got so sick of them. And I'll just be, you can use this for almost every show back then. There's a there's a young guy who's surrounded by beautiful women, but he's not really interested in them or whatever, and he'd always get a nosebleed. I got so sick and tired of seeing that genre. I got so tired of it that I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And I was just like, I would avoid shows like that, like The Plague. They were a novelty when they first came out, but every single show started to do, there was so many of that kind of thing. The, the, the young guy who's surrounded by the beautiful women, and he was oblivious to it all. And it's just, oh, no, no I can't man. watch this. There's always been, like, people always will, like, point out today, like, uh, they are called isekai anime. They're always like, oh, there's so much of this, like, isekai anime. It's ruining anime. I mean, if you go back, like, every era of anime has had, like, a genre that kind of they honed in on as creators and oversaturated the market a little bit. Like you said, the harem anime of like the late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah, and just even in the eighties, I I love Mecha more than anybody. But bloody hell, in Japan, every show was Mecha. Every and I wasn't complaining. I liked it, but there was a lot. I mean, do you know what? I have a video that I I remember I ripped it off YouTube probably around eight years ago. It's no longer out there. And it's every single like anime mecha opening of the eighties. And I, I sat, I sat in my like uh, in bed one night. This is probably about six months ago. And I sat and watched. It's like an hour long. And I and I'm like, I didn't know that show. I didn't know that. And as much as I think I know a lot about anime, there's so much you that you you can't know. And it's like yeah. the amount of mecha shows that came out in the eighties. I'm like sitting there and my wife's reading. I'm like, I've never fucking seen that show before. I don't even know what this is. Like, and that's weird to me. And so, yeah, for all of us, I think we can't know it all, but it's, it's kind of funny how they do milk a genre for sure. And like, I had no idea there'll be an hour's worth of 80s openings for mecha anime alone. Like, that's crazy. I'm surprised there's just an hour's worth to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah. there's probably- Well, when you think about it, most of them are like, 30 seconds to a minute long. Like they're kind of in that zone. Sing a little song there. Uh, the one thing that I do miss, I'll say about the 80s, uh, the 70s and 80s, is the guys, the men singing, opening to like Yamato and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I miss that time period. That's so cool. I I, I remember I remember reading something somewhere where in Japan, otaku were, in the 80s, were upset because anime openings, anime theme songs, would no longer say the name of the anime ah. in the in the opening. <laughs> they were like, what the fuck? This isn't like Zambot 3. This isn't like Ideon. Yeah, because the guy was saying, Makuros. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I always had to say the name. It was pretty pretty wild uh, and all of that. But yeah, I miss I miss um, male singers. I, I don't think, I think there's still, they, there's still 
They still have them, but they're younger. Back then, they had old men singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was wild. Kind of almost like crooning these songs. Yeah, do you know, I, I bought a, I bought a, the vinyl for Dan Gaio, uh probably mm. around a month or so ago because I heard that the, the, the main singer had passed away who, who sang Crossfight. And I've always loved that song. And so I bought the vinyl. I had to spend a pretty penny on it. But I'm like, I got to have Crossfight because I really, really love that song. And all that, but yeah, I miss the male, more male singers from the from the eighties. The old men I need to bring them back. They actually had. Um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, remake of Battleship Yamato, like the OVA they had back like in twenty twelve. Oh, I remember um, it, but I didn't see it. I, I I knew of it though. I think they on that one they actually brought in the son of the original singer because he was also a singer and he did the opening opening for the OVA. That's incredible. That's so cool. Yeah, I like stuff like that. That sounds amazing. Did you know? I would really wish you, they would bring some of the old Yamato movies over. I think there's like like legal stuff. There's so many problems with Star Blazers and Yamato, and I, I mean, I'd really like to see some of the old movies, like Be Forever or Yamato, stuff like that, mm-hmm. brought over. I'd I'd like to see some real high def. I know they get it in Japan, but we don't have it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, or even like Macross, even which is like you know tied up with like uh, Harmony Gold and Robotech and stuff. Don't even get me started. I I oh, I'm yeah. so. I'm so angry. That's a whole other podcast into itself. I, <laughs> I, I think they have whole podcasts for that. At least, at least, like, at least, like, you know, the the rest of the franchise. Like, I managed to see. Um, they brought Macross Plus over and played it in theaters, and I caught that. That was pretty awesome Key. to see. You're so lucky to see that. We were up in Canada. We never got anything like that. It was weird to watch it in a theater because it's four by three. I wasn't used to that. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I got I got a great memory with Mr. William Chow. I'm going to plug him again. He rented out a theater at a college and oh wow yeah and and he because um I think Macros Plus uh OVA4 had just come out I know this is like 1994ish somewhere in there and so I remember going with my girlfriend at the time and watching the final part and I had shivers watching it in that theater you know especially when the Macros launches at the end I remember going on the singing with Shannon Apple I'm like oh my god this is this is peak peak, uh, you know, living. And uh, it was really something else. I mean, yeah, so you're lucky to see Macros Plus in the theater. I would have really liked to have seen that recently. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, I remember in a video, you kind of were talking about how, like, Macross was, like, a watershed kind of moment for you when you watched, like, the scene of, like, the Earth just getting decimated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, yeah. That was wild. It, it's funny because, in a way, like, Macross is kind of a similar moment for me. Not necessarily in the same way, but it was kind of, like, my the way I kind of dip my toes into, like, older, older anime. Before I watched Macross, like, I watched, like, 90s stuff and, like, late 80s stuff. But as far as, like, getting back into, like, the 70s, I had a little bit harder time. Macross was, like, kind of my gateway into, like, okay, I'll dip my toes into Macross. And, like, that ended up sparking my interest enough that I was able to, like, go into, like, the original Gundam and Galaxy Express TV series and Harlock and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. It's a neat time period. I mean... For me, like Macross, uh, the original TV show is gold, I, and then the movie is just incredible, and and then then when they did Macross two, not so much. Uh, that's pretty yeah. not just not good. I don't I don't hate it. I'm not a hater, but I'm I don't like it uh, particularly. I, I love Macross Flashback 2012, and then Macross goes through a really weird time. We got Macross Plus that is so good that it's like I still can't believe how good it is. And then we had Macros 7 out at the same time, which was, I know I've done some Macros podcasts and I've 
argued with the people on it in a, in a nice way. <laughs> but I cannot stand Macro 7. I even went back and tried to watch it again. I have the Blu-rays of it. And I, you know, you know, the kind of counterfeit Blu-rays with subtitles. Couldn't do it. And then I just, you know, Macro Zero is okay. It's fine. It's not great, though. But, oh, yeah. my God, Macros Delta is something that absolutely offends every single fiber in my entire <laughs> body. And I, I was I, about dude, to ask about Macross Delta. Dude, 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 am I the only person? I, I'm, okay, I feel like I'm the only sane person that there's a lot. Hey, and let me tell you, on Twitter, I follow a lot of guys that are re- live in Japan that are really into Macross, and they really like Delta and all this. I just don't get it. And the reason why is we come from Macross, the original show, uh, which is a kind of a serious show. I know, you know, as serious as it can be with its uh, stuff. But then we go to Macross the movie, which has got some blood. It's got some intensity, epicness. And then all of a sudden we jump. If you told me that in the future there would be like Sailor Moon type of characters, idol singers, <laughs> controlling Valkyries, you know, by singing and all of this. I I watched the first episode of Macross Delta I tried to I tried to watch it like three times and I'm like I'm out I can't do this I can't this is not and do you know what bugs me is um the the artist what's his name uh Shoji Karamori yeah yeah. yeah 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 like like what is this guy thinking like do he thinks like uh, he's bringing it back to like some weird level that he do, I feel he doesn't understand what Macross is. Kawamori was more of like a creative mind. Like obviously he was the one that like wrote the original Macross and like the world and stuff, but he wasn't like the director. Whereas for later stuff with like Seven, that's when he kind of took more of a prominent role in like the directorial role. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ones that you were talking about, like the original Macross was directed by the guy who directed um, the original Yamato and Legend of God Heroes. Um, and then the guy who directed Macross Plus was the guy who directed like Cowboy Bebop and you know those kind of shows. And then when he kind of took over for like Macross 7, uh, Frontier, and Delta, I've kind of talked about this with Sai. He hasn't actually seen anything other than Plus. I've only seen Plus. That's good enough. Um, Stay there. So I, I was kind of explained to him, like, Macross 7 is kind of where they introduce all like the weird alien stuff in the Macross franchise. Like, you kind of start going into like alien worlds and like, Basara like eats a fucking leaf at one point. Yeah, that's it's literally like, him eating the leaf is the only thing I've seen of the show. I'm like, what? It is an edible leaf. But <laughs> oh, is it okay? Yeah. Um, but now like you, you get some weird that that's kind of I like Frontier. Oh yeah, I but sorry, I, forgot, that one. I forgot to mention Frontier. Frontier was acceptably fun. Um I didn't love it, but I don't hate it at all. I do I do have like a soft spot for Delta. I don't think it's a good show but i associate delta with like my first trip to japan because that was what was airing when i went there and that so that was kind of what was so there's a romanticized like, uh like trip to japan and you're seeing this anime and you're just accepting yeah I under, you know what like, i totally get it i'm not a i i totally understand that i get it for sure like that's that i, I just think like i have a soft spot for it i don't like the show <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> i like the music in the show i like i like um the story with like the artists and stuff like that. Um, the girl, the main girl who sings like the very bassy, um, like lead singer, she was actually like 16 or 17 at the time. Like she was really young and like she got into the industry that way. Like I like the music for it, but outside of that, like I, I kind of liked the idea. Like it kind of hinted at like, you know, the pilot was going to be like a dancer or something. And then like maybe he was going to like, it was going to be like a, 
don't know if you know the game like 50 Cent Blood on the Sand or whatever. Like whatever that game is where they like you kind of have to like fight in rhythm to the music. Like I thought it was going to be like a dance like you want to win Evangelion episode kind of situation where they had to like sync up. Oh, yeah, with I remember music. That. that. But that was a good episode. Yeah. That yeah. Like I thought it was going to be that throughout. And then it kind of wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I don't, I don't know. You put Sailor Moon characters. Like, no, no, no. Hey, there's, there was always the idol singers. There's always been Sharon Apple. There's always been Lin Minmay. But they were, well, well Lin Minmay at least was a, was a, a, a kind of a real person. I, like, that she, there was a role that she played. She was the one singer. Where this is just, it's almost kind of, to be, to be honest, I feel it's making fun of Macross. And the seriousness that was created in the original show was perfected in the movie. Like the movie, if you watch the movie, Macross the movie, which is my favorite anime of all time, my favorite mm-hmm. anime film of all time. Love, yeah. I mean, that is, takes itself so seriously. And the technology and the, you know, with the Maltrotti, the, the conflict there. And it's, there's so much going on there. And then it's just like, no, we're just going to go totally stupid. Like, that's how it feels for me. That's like almost like taking your favorite show, uh, Evangelion, and then just doing a Sailor Moon thing with Evangelions. It would make you Why angry. Why do you say too. that? <laughs> they have like uh, school spinoffs of Evangelion. So oh, they got yeah. All kinds stuff of like like stuff the, the one manga. Yeah. Well, uh, um, yeah. I, anyway, sorry. De- De- I, I've gotten into like, I, I don't argue online. But anybody that like to- tries to poke the bear with me about Delta on Twitter, I'll lose my <laughs> shit. I get a- I get genuinely angry. It's like no, it's the only time I'll say no. You don't know what Macross was. It's like it was really a cool sci-fi series show, and I- they're just making it silly. I think in a way, it kind of shows Kawamori's adaptability. I guess. That kind of was what made the original Macross and like Plus, even though they're so vastly different, like stand up so well because he was so willing to like, because like Minmay is very reflective of like idols at the time of like when she aired. Right. And then Sharon Apple, like she's very kind of forward facing where it kind of predicted like the whole Vocaloid trend and like almost like VTubers, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Virtual idols, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, that's really interesting how it it kind of was prescient in that regard. I think he kind of like his weirdness kind of was able to let him do that kind of thing. But he had in those he had, you know, uh, Watanabe and uh, Ishiguro to like kind of rein him in a bit and like act as the director for the show and he kind of took the director role himself it you got delta you got, you got delta <laughs> i mean i mean like in macros the movie like the the meltrotti are standing on the heads of zentrotties and squishing their heads in their in their uh, mech suits and i'm just like this is where it's at i like this because it's and even when max uh, sterling's in his valkyrie and he pulls he actually opens up a battle pod pulls the zentrotti out and shoots him in the face and it explodes yeah. in space. And I'm like, that's my Macross. You know, like, it's like, what <laughs> happens? And I, I'm really... Do you remember Love did get very violent, like, to the point where I think they actually censored the home video release for, like, years. <laughs> like, we just now got it recently. Oh, like, I'm, 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 huh. I spent, like, $150 on the box set, and I couldn't believe it was censored when I got it back in the day. I was so mad. Oh, wow. I was, I'm still mad about it. And even I have some counterfeits that I had to get off eBay. They're fucking censored too. So I don't know where you guys got to give me a link because I need to go and buy the original un- uncensored, 
You know, it's so ridiculous. It's like how Mumi and I, Mumi and I got the uh, like really expensive box sets for a G Kids Evangelion release. Oh yeah, the ultimate and edition. It still doesn't have Fly Me to the Moon for the EDs. And that's why I didn't uh, buy the box set because I found that out, and I'm like, can't we figure this out? E- Do you know what? That even bothers me. With um, is it double Zeta Gundam or Z- no? I think it's Zeta Gundam. How they when they released the box set over here, they had to change the opening song because it's some really? copyright. Yeah, because it's some copyright. And it just absolutely oh. pisses me off. The original, it's Zeta Gundam. I swear it's Zeta Gundam. But there was some some copyright thing or something. So they just put generic music in the beginning. Part of me, part of me wonders because uh, have you seen have you seen Edeon? Yeah, like the old show. You mean like from like that's the the older show, right? Eighties, isn't it? Yeah, really early eighties. I haven't seen it all, but I know of the show. I know what it is, kind of. Well, well, so so part of me what's always wondered is. That's, I don't think that's ever been brought over, and I think I, I wonder if it's because the movie uses the song Happy Birthday, <laughs> which is obviously, at least at the time, would have been like heavily copyrighted. So I always wondered, how the hell did they get away with that? They probably just didn't give a shit and just did it. Am I, am I, am I wrong? I'm, I'm, not sitting, I'm not sitting in front of the internet right now. I'm just talking in front of my phone. Wasn't there a release of Ideon? Wasn't there a Blu-ray, like standard definition? I'm, this is off the top of my head. I'm like I'm probably wrong, but was there a box set or something? Maybe not. Oh no! So you know, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Space Runway Edeon complete collection Blu-ray released in 2019, and according to Blu-ray.com. Okay, my brain's not completely melting then. <laughs> but hey, I wonder if that I wonder if that song's there. But probably is. You know, yeah. But yeah, we're not really big uh, Edeon fans here. <laughs> no, but that's a different topic for a different day. You piss off those people later. <laughs> I don't know the details of it. It's just like one of those older shows. It's like I don't have the time. Yeah, I mean it's fairly long too, and it's it's pretty slow. It's thirty nine episodes, and it could be t- like half that. I thought it was fine. Uh, I'm much more negative on it than Mumi, which is I don't want to say rare, but at least for something like this, probably uncommon. I know. I mean, as I said, some of those older shows like Dunbine, it's like they're just stretched out, um, you know, and it's just like yeah. They're, 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 well, they're it's always interesting, hole. and this is an issue I have with like stuff even with like Sailor Moon is the fact that there needs to be like a fight in every episode. Yeah, it's just like uh, I would prefer without like all the fighting constantly, but I, I understand why it's there commercially. Have you ever heard of a uh, Fang of the Sun Dogram? Uh, oh, uh, is that a mecha show too? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I know the name. I I think I can see the mecha in my mind. I I say I'm not sitting in front of the internet right now, but. Yeah, I kind of. Yeah, I know yeah it's very the show. like clunky. It's very like grounded looking. It's like it doesn't have like a proper like head or face or anything. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the prototypical example of like what I would think of over long, kind of drawn out kind of. Oh, that's like because it's like seventy some episodes. Oh four, I think seventy five. Some of those shows you had to be living in Japan at the time watching it as it aired. It's some some of them are long haul. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah, you just, you just had to be there while it was on TV. Yeah, I think I think it would have been amazing back then. I we mean, actually it, talked about this on like the last podcast, where it's like people kind of forget sometimes that these shows are airing on TV in Japan. Yeah, and how that kind of like informs them. Yeah, we have like such a culture here of like because anime kind of came up with like streaming and Netflix and stuff. Like, yeah, there's such and a being culture able to, like, of just binge watch it. Right, yeah, like binge watching. Like, oh, I had to watch all of the first. 72 episodes of My Hero Academia in two days or something like that. They forget that this is airing on a weekly basis in Japan. <laughs> like, you don't, you're not really supposed to sit there and, like, uh, and you know, plow through the show. It, it's kind of interesting, too. It, it reminds me of an episode I did on my show is that 
you had to sometimes for some of these shows and some of these, and even video games from the past, argument can be used the same. Going back and watching some of these, you kind of have to clear your head, uh, you know, from the last 30 years of pop culture that came after this show. So you Oh, to, definitely, yeah. And that's hard to do. But he, like, especially going back and playing an old game, somebody like, oh, this old game sucks. Yeah, but at the time, this old game was an old game. It was brand new. You'd never seen anything like it. Same for anime. I mean, watching some mm -hmm. of these animes back then were groundbreaking. And now, not so much. And it's, uh, yeah, you have to have a bit of patience and remember the time period. And that's very hard to do. That's hard to do for yeah. any but audience. The, but at the same time, having that sort of benefit of like retrospect and hindsight means that you can look at something like um, like Nausicaa, for example, and then you know have like the context of everything that came after and everything that was influenced, like all the video games, all the anime and stuff. And you can look at it now and kind of like appreciate it on a level that would have been possible when it first came out. Yeah, there's some big, you guys should do an entire episode on just the the influence of some anime and what it did to pop culture. I mean, not. Oh yeah. Anime. I mean, yeah. I mean, so what many. was it? I was like, um, I was reading the other day, uh, Michael B. Jordan is directing Creed three. And he was talking about how, like how it's been influenced by Naruto and Hajime no Ippo and, and all this and all this stuff. And it's really interesting just to see how, like, or you look at like the matrix and ghost in the shell or how, uh, James Cameron was originally planning on directing uh, like an Alita adaptation, but then decided to do Avatar. All this like interesting stuff in terms of how uh, anime has had a really, a really big impact, especially on like big Hollywood films over the last 20 some years. Definitely. Like I remember when Akira came out, that sh like changed it all. Like I was this anime fan that yeah. was kind of nuts, but I finally had, uh, that was a, like a, a loaded gun to say, look, you take this seriously now. And that's that's what yeah. that did at the time. That if anybody came over and said, "Oh, it's anime," I put in an Akira, and they're like, "Oh my god, that motorcycle sequence!" Nobody could say that that was an incredible. I got the 4K Blu-ray. I was watching it maybe around two months ago, and I was like, "God damn, this still holds up incredibly well." You know, you see, you, uh, this is kind of weird saying this now, but you know, you know, then you see like Kanye West referencing that in his music videos and stuff, and it's like, "Wow, this is really this is really taken off," and that's like almost 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, we're at a point, as I said, I'm glad it's mainstream because nobody can say that anime is not cool because it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it, well, I, th I, th I think it, I think it's leading people to finally, you know, recognize it and give it the respect that it's sort of always deserved internationally. Well, I, I brought up that story of watch, making my dad watch the first episode of Robotech and his generation just didn't get it. I was part of the, mm -hmm. I was part of the new generation that was looking at cartoons. My dad just saw a cartoon and said, nope, they're, this is children's mm. stuff. Where I saw, and I was like, I like cartoons, but I was getting sick of Bugs Bunny at like 11 years old. I was like, yeah. I need something more. So when I saw Galaxy Express and I saw Robotech and all this stuff, I was like, look at this. Like, like, like things are changing and all of mm. that. And, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm so happy how far we've come now that, that mm. anime is accepted uh, in, in this country and it's completely looked at as being freaking cool by if anybody says anime is not cool i'd like to see that oh anime is not cool you'd be uncool to yeah, say yeah you know you have even you know even like you know like you're like a you know your stereotypical jocks now even they're like into anime it's it's everywhere you know it's it's no longer like like a nerd thing or like a weird subculture it's really it's really come and permeated uh the mainstream in a lot of ways and, and i think the thing that's what me and william were trying to do back then was promote promote it out of that cliche of being the nerdy hobby that no there's some really groundbreaking stuff here and we were kind of that generation bringing it in and now that it's ushered in it's like 
It's up to you guys now to to usher yeah. it into an, an, another generation that's going to come after you guys. I mean, that's what we've got to keep on trying to do. And because yeah, I, I want I want people in a hundred years to still be watching Gunbuster, going, "Hey, that's fucking cool." That ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like you know, yeah, anime anime is like getting in the mainstream now, but it's a lot of like the big mainstream stuff. So I think like the next step in our in our plan for global domination yeah, exactly. is you know then start you know getting you know more like lesser known stuff stuff that's really under the radar and seeing like that maybe come into the mainstream more stuff like Gunbuster. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, it's just like it's like the uh, the future envisioned in uh, Otaku no Video where anime is just taken over the whole world. And I think we see like the beginning of that a little bit. You know, you got like Kenny's videos. He his videos do like millions of views and he's talking about Creamy Mommy and Mickey Momo. Yeah, just totally random unheard of stuff. Yeah, I I, I remember I I went to England and I came back when I was 21. William just opened his anime store. And I and mm. I went there and I got a tape Otaku no video and that became my bible of my life and I was like this is who oh, I am yeah. this is this is me this is me mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and and is and I just yeah wanted and I, I got I got so obsessive with anime back then like so obsessive I I really still am a big big fan now but I was really mm-hmm. obsessive I was like getting you guys right now just like trying to find all the stuff and. Find as much mm-hmm. as I can, all, all the behind the scenes stuff and all that. So yeah, just sort of like ravenously going through it. Yeah, just trying and trying. You know, always, it's like a drug almost. You know, trying to get that next fix. Trying try to find <laughs> that that hidden gem to use that stereotypical yeah. thing. Oh, like, and when you find it, it's like so like cool. Like even in the early two thousands, like for me, like hidden gems were like finding Gasaraki after I was watching like Cowboy Bebop. I'm, like I was buying the DVDs of that. That's how you. Watch Cowboy Bebop back then. You went and bought yeah. DVDs. It was kind of crazy. And forty dollars for like three episodes. Yeah. I think we watched um, we watched something maybe a year ago called a little uh, independent short film uh, made by uh, the director of what was it C three Boo Mumi? Yeah, the the there was a Gainax anime. It was like one of the last shows one of the later before... really late Gainax anime where yeah. the studio kind of really shit the bed. Um, but he it's was, just like uh... this. Uh, he was brought on as like a young talent and was the director. Yeah. That was like his first directorial debut. But we watched this uh, short film he did uh, called A Japanese Boy Who Draws, which is only like 20 some minutes. And we, we, we just sort of watched it just on, on a complete whim because we didn't want to watch a two hour long movie. Uh, and we just watched it and it completely it completely blew us away. With like all the different styles it incorporates, you know, stuff that looks like just a child's drawing and just seeing that evolve into like an actual professional looking like manga anime art style and seeing something like that and finding it is really satisfying because up until that point, no one had heard of it. It wasn't even on sites like my anime list. It had like less than a thousand views on YouTube. Right. Yeah. yeah and it, was, it was so poignant. And then like when we finished it, we only had like five people, six people in the call. Yeah, and like it was just dead silent. Like everyone was just kind of like soaking it in. Like, wow. Yeah, what the hell? We, you know, we usually talk while watching shit, but you know, sometimes something just really hits us, and we're just all just completely enraptured by it and silent. That's cool. And it was it was so rewarding to like spread that around, and you can like oh, yeah, directly yeah. see, like especially early on, you would directly see kind of like the numbers of like how many people had seen it were going up. And, yeah, like, that was directly because we were sharing it among that community. And then they were sharing it among their community, and so like yeah, and posting it on other servers and seeing every one of the other uh, other servers and communities like you know lose their minds over it. It's really it's really a cool thing to see. That's really cool. Yeah, it's nice to find those little those little gems that are actually really cool, like like twenty minutes long too. 
I mean, yeah, there's yeah. like Angel's Egg and stuff like that in the 80s, you know, for finding mm. those RC types, uh, kind of little creations that are really neat and, and all that. But yeah, it, it's nice to just kind of get away from all the mecha and all that and just find mm. these like little thought-provoking things. And I think that's what anime has always been about. It's about thought-provoking stuff, things that are like, that were science fiction, things that made you think outside of your own brain. And if that's what science yeah. fiction is, that's what science fiction is, or you know, and, and the fantasy elements and all of that, and just stuff that you can get swept away in. Yeah, even even across the board into stuff like like manga and and video games, it's really. It's- I think like because we kind of talked about this, we actually recorded uh, like for a review here last week for a, a show that's about like delinquents, and we kind of touched on it there. I think what stands out for a lot of people about anime and like people who were getting into the industry back in like this. 80s, seven late seventies. It's a very like fringe, like niche kind of like sphere originally. Anyway, Origi- originally, and, yes, yeah. yeah. Like these people who didn't necessarily fit into like what was perceived to be the like standard of society kind of thing. And so like these people, like you see it, the this kindred spiritness between you know Mecca and like Isekai, where like they are imagining these worlds of like the future or like alternate possibilities that they can kind of escape to and find that kind of sense of belonging in these worlds i think that's a large part of like why it resonates with like people here in the west is like that just that emotional core of it that 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 was like the otaku culture of back then and you don't hear that word anymore i think that's a word that nobody uses anymore like we honestly in the 90s would call ourselves otakus like 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 you were you were into this stuff yeah you had you had to be so like obsessive into it where now it's really an uncool terminology to use yeah i think it's more so just like anime fan or even just like weeb ironically you know yeah there's this kind of prevailing idea or, um of like anime is trash and so am i like oh geez. this kind of just self-deprecating kind of like almost like gallows humor i guess you could say where it's just like they're putting themselves even though you know anime is like more mainstream than ever mm-hmm. and more accepted in like the general's population spheres you still have this like faction or like group of people who are putting themselves down like putting up this front of like oh yeah we're losers we don't really care ha. it's like a it's like a, a, like a self-deprecating insecurity kind of thing well, when yeah, it's like, yeah for sure that, no, that, you can like this shit and be cool you don't need it doesn't need to be lame well you know do you know like it's so funny for me i remember going to william's store and i i could see that like times changing when sailor moon came on tv and there was like final fantasy 7 i come out ocarina time I was okay. Time was a few, I was a few years away, but still, was still in that like five year period, where all of a sudden in his anime store, which you'd never seen before, girls would start coming in, and they wore cat ears. It was that stereotype <laughs> in the nineties, and I remember. And these girls would come in and brag how many times they finished Final Fantasy VII, and you're huh. like, like it was so weird. So I was like, that, I remember, guys. I'm so old, and Willem could tell you this too. A convention and like a comic, you'd go to a comic book convention in 1988 in Vancouver here. I remember walking in and I see William or whatever walking around. And I remember seeing a guy who had a girl with him. And I'm like, I can't believe, how did he get that girl here? <laughs> and I'm not sure, like, like comic book conventions used to be stinky, B.O., male infested areas. Like you have no idea how great it is nowadays when that is, is almost like almost predominantly women at times. But there was a yeah, time, yeah, yeah. But there was a time when I remember standing there 
with some friends of mine, was Ra's brother in that. I remember I was buying like a Gundam poster in line. Like people would come sell Gundam posters for 10 bucks. Hey, you want a Gundam poster? I was buying it. And looking over and seeing this girl going, how did he get a girl to come to a, a comic book convention? And I remember getting into the convention and I had to do a double look. I'm like, she's just like walking around with him looking. So I could like, it was alien. <laughs> You don't really get that sort of culture shock now with conventions because, you know, you have such a diverse array of people, uh, you know, different genders, ages, you know, in almost like equal proportion, it seems like when I go to a convention now, it's people from, you know, in high school all the way up to like their 50s and 60s with seemingly not like biased towards either one. They're kind of like equally represented. Uh, hey, do you know, I remember watching Ixer 1 for the first time and going, mm-hmm. I can't believe it's so cool that these girls have blue hair, red hair, mm. pink hair, orange hair. It was so weird. But nowadays, everybody's freaking doing that stuff. But I mean, back then, you'd not seen that either. It, like, anime, it was still doing such unique things. I remember, like, yeah. even even in it, there'd be, there was a character like called Big Gold. and um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah total, total uh, female-looking character, but talked with a guy's voice. And I always, I was always like, the Japanese are so interesting. They're always doing such different takes on everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even look at stuff like uh, what like Ramna One Half was doing with gender or um, Stoppy Body Coon. Very, really ahead of its time. There's like a trans right scene in Dirty Pair. Oh, is there? I, I don't remember. I think like so. I think one of the episodes is like uh, he falls uh, in love with like a woman, and then the father is just like really against like them being together, and like it's revealed in the climax where he's like, "I don't want you to be with her because she used to be a male," and then like the dirty pair are just like, "So that's like sixty so? percent." What of in ten people? people have changed their sex these days? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they were they were all part of the future back then, you know, like yeah, I mean, yeah for yeah. sure. So it made sense it would be that progressive and all of that. Uh, and all of that. So that's funny. I didn't. I didn't actually know that for the. the yeah, yeah. When we were watching, we were like, "Wow, okay, that's pretty forward thinking, especially for an a- anime in the '80s." Right. Yeah. It's. It's. Uh, yeah. So now you. You. It's. It's unreal. I mean, I can't believe yeah. I lived in a time when I saw one girl in a convention, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was. It was. And as I, as I told you, you. I go around this comic book convention, and there'd be a little table set up for the Victoria Animation Club. This is even before William took over uh-huh. and they just have a couple of books and things and there's be a couple of guys sitting there just to talk to you about the you know can i tell you about the the religion of anime that, that <laughs> and they would have a little newsletter and then you could spend i think it was like it wasn't even expensive like five bucks a year and you could get the newsletter sent to you and then they're like oh hey guys we're playing bubblegum crisis in the back room over here and i'm like what's that i'm like what's bubblegum yeah. crisis and then going in the back room and being like oh my god you know, another yeah. life-changing moment right there. Uh, and so, it's, it's, as I say, I'm very happy that I grew up in the time I, I did. It was like this magical era. You go in this dirty back room and watch some great anime and then all of that. Yeah. And there'd be three people in the back. There'd be nobody there. You know, as mm-hmm. the movie or whatever would progress, more people would stick their heads in and come in. And I remember one guy standing next to the television. He was part of the, the animation club. And he'd be telling you the story because there was no subtitles of what was oh, going okay. on. So we were watching Fist of the North Star, and he's like, oh, this is, uh, you know, Haktu no Ken, or, you know, and, uh, you know, this is Fist of the North Star, and he has all these pressure points he can do, and but and he's talking next to the television. And we were so- Just kind of, like, explaining it as, almost like a almost like a weird silent movie, even though it's not silent. Dude, dude it was so wild to think back. We were, And, you know, 
He wasn't annoying. We were thankful to have him. I had that same kind of experience when I went, because we went and watched uh, a couple of movies while I was in Japan. We actually watched um, Your Name, Kimi no Nawa movie. Yeah, I've heard uh, that. That big one that was in Japan. That we, I was there opening weekend. We actually didn't go on opening weekend, even though I wanted to go. <laughs> but opening weekend, I could have been there. And then when I left, my girlfriend at the time was like, man, we should have went and watched that movie. That's like the biggest movie now. So I, I went back a year later and it was still in theaters. Wow. And when we went and watched it, like she's having to like, because I don't speak Japanese. I can pick up a little bit just because anime is so kind of like Japanese in general is just kind of a very scripted language. And like anime uses a very limited kind of vocabulary that you wouldn't necessarily use while you're walking on the street necessarily. So I'm able to pick up some context, but she's sitting there having to like whisper in my ear in the movie theater, like, okay, he's saying this, and this is the rough idea of what they're saying here. Like, so I definitely get when you want to watch something and you don't have people translating it for you or like a dub or anything like that. Like, I definitely get the means, like the, the extent of like where you'll go just to see this movie. Or even like, um, cause like when I read like some of these old like Usenet posts, I'll see people talking about like, um, they're asking for like the script. Like, like some, for someone to send them just the script for Pat Labor 2, I guess it just because they have it raw and they can just read read the script along with the movie as they're watching it. Oh, yeah. Just holding the script and then reading it. Well, I, I got fanzines that I would get from the Victoria Club and from Wilms, Wilms Club uh, that people would tell you the story. And so you would take it with you. And yeah, you mm -hmm. could they would translate it. There'd be sometimes little small mini scripts in there uh, in your newsletter to understand the anime better or the people, people explain what the anime was. So they're like, yeah, hey, we have this in the club's uh, library. Uh, so this is what kind of the story is about. It's kind of linked to this. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, back in the eighties and nineties, you really had to memorize a lot of stuff. You couldn't just leave it all online. You had to talk with people yeah. and, and, and to, to understand what was going on for me to understand the story of Megazone, I had the books first before anything. I got the books in 87, the mini books. And I, I, so I kind of understood the story. And then I got a fanzine that I bought in a comic book store that explained the story. And I can't tell you how extraordinary it was to find out about Bahamut and what was really going on. And, and yeah, it was really so fascinating. And so you're kind of reading this like sci-fi book and then you can accompany, accompany it with the anime itself. And it's like, this yeah. is incredible. I mean, it's like what we were talking about earlier with like Ixer one and piecing the story together with the art books. Right. Yeah. It's that's, that's, how I did it. And even William did it back then. And he had a mm -hmm. he had a translator that would translate the manga as William flipped the pages and he'd be like, oh, this is what he's saying here. Ha <laughs> isn't that so funny? And he was like kind of very infectious about it. We were we were all mm -hmm. very infectious about it. I think because it was such a mystery, most of it. And I think that's what yeah. made it more alluring. That it's like we want to know everything about this mm -hmm. like hidden wonder from Japan type of thing. So yeah, very, very cool times. I mean, nowadays you don't really have to do that because it's so accessible and stuff is so much, so much stuff has been translated now and it's continuing to be translated by like groups like Orphan, uh, Kinoko Video, all these groups that you don't really have to, you don't really have to rely on that anymore because, you know, it's, it's so, it's so mainstream now. So many people are into it that they can, you can have just a bunch of people constantly translating things and getting you new that's, stuff to well, watch. That's, that's even open like just the general, kind of anime spheres like horizons up quite a bit i remember william was saying that back in the day you wouldn't have picked up something like Majo demo steady to like rip or translate or anything like that because you had something like starship troopers uh that 
everyone wanted to watch and was kind of the big thing at the time. So you were right. very limited as far as like resources and like in, what people and were like interested what was in demand. In. Yeah. So you couldn't really, unless you were somebody who could visit Japan or like gain access to like, you know, laser discs or something like that from Japan and you knew Japanese, you couldn't necessarily branch out as much as you can now to kind of like find your own sense of like taste and perspective in anime. Right. Yeah. You had to do, that would come later into the nineties. After the, a lot of the main shows got subtitled, the, he did the niche shows, and he get get a little bit of that. But yeah, he'd spend a lot, he'd spend a lot of time doing the latest Pat Labor movies, stuff like that. Mm. Those are the big things. Where I'm like, you know, have you guys finished the Pat Labor movies? Like, oh, we're working on it. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what it was back then. And you're like, okay, and then you check back a week later, and uh, and then they'd be done and stuff like. And sometimes I drop up tapes for William, and I come back two weeks later. And he's like, oh, sorry, I haven't gotten to, gotten around to doing your tapes yet. I'm like. Dude, I just drove 40 minutes to get here. Like, that's what oh, that's what it was like back then. And then sometimes, yeah, I mean, you go in and he'd have it done in a day. What a service. <laughs> I go in, drop tapes off, come back two weeks later, have all this anime. And I mm-hmm. I built up, I got like 300, 400 tapes of tapes. I still have them all in my closet in totes because I can't, I just don't want to get rid of them because for the emotion of it all, because it's, uh, I've replaced a lot of it with Blu-rays and stuff over the years, but uh, mm. I, th- I think it's important to like keep in perspective. People are still doing that kind of stuff today. Like it is very removed. Like you're not getting a tape, and you're not sending something in, and they're not giving you like physical things. But you still have people who like. Um, there was a really popular anime like back in the 2010s, uh, Madoka Magica. There were people who went and like found like the best kind of encoded release on Blu-ray. So that they can release the best product possible for everybody who liked that show. And then there are people who are still going out and translating it as it's airing on TV and having it out within like a day. Oh, I know. Crazy. Like, it is a thanks job. Like people aren't like sitting there like somebody who's watching a torrented like Kiss Anime stream website version of whatever you just translated isn't going to know that you were the one that did it. But they're still going out there and doing that. So it, it, that's very much still alive. It's kind of tapered a little bit because you have like crunchy roll and stuff now that are doing like subs as they're kind of airing the show but yeah like it's definitely like still alive in some capacity there's all these people behind the scenes doing god's work it, it, yeah it's, it's and i'm telling you what a time you just go on the internet and press download oh what do you mean my anime is not out today it was out in japan yesterday people are, like so entitled now I bet. oh god yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just... it's incredible it's insane I, I think it's funny, but I, I remember, I think when you even had Willem on, cause I feel the same back in the day, you had to invest in your hobby. You had to, I had to buy the books. I had to spend like a oh, lot yeah, of money yeah, yeah. on books. I had to spend a lot of money on getting laser discs or something. You know, you had to pay for this stuff. Now you just go, Oh, click download. And I think some of the, the magic is gone that way because when you invest your own money into a, your hobby, you feel like, I think it's like anybody who plays Warhammer. You're paying your own money to be in that hobby, so you're getting something out of it one way or the other. And um, I I think some of the magic is lost. You just watch something, you're like, oh, so I think that's something. Do you think anime is more disposable now? Oh, I watched the show, I'm done. I don't care. I don't, I don't, like, there's less caring. To a certain extent. Yeah, I would say that there's pros and cons to it, though, because since there's such, like, you don't have to put so much of an investment to it. You kind of get more of an opportunity to try new things. Not necessarily people are taking advantage of that, which we kind of would hope 
people would. Yeah. But you do get, like, because it's such a low investment, you don't have to, like, spend hundreds of dollars to, like, get into My Hero Academia like you would have had to, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Right, 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 right. So you're able to try that out. And then, like, you're able to try something because you're just in the sphere kind of around it. You're able to try something completely off the wall that you might not have ever even given a second look if it was you had to pay money for it right yeah there there, there are there i think yeah there are a lot of like pros and cons like that where you know and so in some ways it might be worse but in other ways it's also substantially better than it was in the past oh yeah. uh, definitely it, let, let me say like i'm 49 years old but i'm saying today is much better than the past in that regard i mean mm-hmm. the 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 amount of anime you have access to is blue on blu-ray I mean, we're spoiled i mean everybody's spoiled yeah just just at like your fingertips just like oh. you know a single google search away it's, it, for if you're a younger person growing up and you're like interested in a show, the world is in front of you almost too yeah. much. It's almost overwhelming. Like, look for you guys. Yeah, to the point that it paralyzes you and you're like, I don't, I have no idea what the fucking watch. Yeah, like, look at you guys. Or I, I would say, you no, know, it's going to sound funny, but you're kind of experts in your field, but there's still stuff that you haven't even seen. And me, yeah. I'm a kind of an expert in my field from my time. And there's stuff that I haven't even seen. So I don't even. Now, if I like, if my daughter gets into anime when mm-hmm. she gets older, she's gonna be like, "Where the f do I start, man? Where yeah, do yeah, I yeah, start?" Yeah. I mean, you get like two hundred, two hundred fifty anime airing every season. So at the end of the year, you're you're well around a thousand anime a year. Yeah, that's ins- that's too much almost. But I'm not saying it's too much. But I'm like, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. for sure. I mean, it, it must be me. But in the 80s and I don't 90s, know if it's that high, Mumi, but yeah, it's. I think it's. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Like, <laughs> it's 200, 250 a year. It's 50 a, um, a season. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I had like, the hold number on, wait right, a second. I put it in the wrong We watch every show. That, we watch almost every show this season, at least like the first episode. We didn't watch that many shows, Mumi. Still, that's, that is quite significant. And it's only going to keep going oh, yeah. higher as like production becomes easier and easier. So, so wait, yeah. so, so hold on a second. You guys watch every brand new show that comes out? Uh, not every uh, so there was season. a point in time i was yeah. able to like actually try every single show that aired you at least watch like the first episode now that i have like a full-time job i'm working like 55 60 hours a week yeah so i don't have the time to do that but we do make a concerted effort to like watch probably we'll, we'll, we'll at least like at go least. through and like check out and then we'll see like okay well these things we might be interested in and we'll watch the first episode and then however many of those we feel like continuing, we'll continue. I think this season we're watching seven or eight shows that are airing right now. Yeah. Trying to watch, I should say. We're pretty far behind. And, and, like If you have the time, I definitely think it's the way to kind of go about it. Because mm-hmm. like, there are so many shows that I've watched in the last like 10 years or so that if I hadn't tried it, I probably wouldn't have kept up with it. Yeah. And like there are shows that are like really special to me now that... I wouldn't have watched if I had just gone with like what was kind of being filtered to me through like general discourse and right what was being kind of recommended as like and the it's and it's one of those things where it's like I feel like I if I don't watch it while it's airing I'll probably never go back to it so I might as well yeah. you know live in the moment and do it now so and enjoy it while I can I'm I'm gonna ask you guys then for some anime recommendations for me so I'm an old school guy and all that I like mecha stuff and I like. Like heavy military style mecha stuff, I guess you could, I don't even know why I'm saying that, but that's kind of like, I'm thinking like Gasaraki right now, it's stuck in my head. But, um, mm-hmm. what's kind of a really good, smart science fiction y kind of mecha show that's kind of kind of thought provokingly cool, like it, but it's cool, some good mecha action. I think the obvious one that comes to mind first would be like Cyberpunk Edge Runners, okay, because that is that so influenced by like and obviously it's the cyberpunk universe that's what influenced so many of the 80s OVAs. 
but it does very much have like that same kind of spirit to it. It's directed by Imaishi, who I don't know if you know the anime um, Tengen Topa Gurren Lagann. Oh yeah, I know that show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the same director who directed that. So it has very much like that kind of Gainax spirit a little like kind of underneath the, the surface. It's not as prevalent because it is a cyberpunk work. So it is very downer. No, no, that, that's, <laughs> that that's cool. I know I like that. So sorry, it's called Cyberpunk. What's the rest of it? Uh, Edge Runners. I'm, I'm writing it down. Uh, anything else? Um, it's it's not a TV show, but it's a movie. It's called. Um, it's also not Mecca, but it is like a like hard sci-fi, almost like um like a Tom Clancy esque uh, like political thriller uh, called Genocidal Organ, which I think is really interesting. Oh, Akudama Drive. Akudama Drive. I think um kind of taps into that like 80s like violent, edgy, like, cyberpunk setting. There really is not a lot of, like, sci-fi airing. Yeah, that, that's my favorite stuff. I mean, there's always these teen dramas, you know? Like, it's always that going yeah, on. Yeah, but in terms of, like, yeah, like, hard sci-fi, you don't get as much of that nowadays. I mean, yeah, like, like to be honest with you, it, it all reflects the time period, right? So, yeah. the 80s was, oh, certainly. was reflective of all that kinds of time. So, yeah, it makes sense, but my God, I mean, the high school dramas are still continuing. <laughs> They'll never, they'll never stop doing those. Gridman was pr- was a pretty cool. I have not seen it myself, but I've been told Gridman is really cool. Um, Gr- Gridman, uh, Gridman, DDD Gridman. Is that what it was? S S S like four S's dot Gridman. So if you're familiar with like the Tokusatsu kind of stuff, like Super Sentai Power Rangers, yeah, Gridman was one of those shows, and this is like a reboot of that. It's made by the same studio who did Edge Runners, so. There's probably okay. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to a cyberpunk edge runners. That sounds really interesting. I mean, and then this, yeah. this, this movie, uh, genocidal Oregon. Who's it? Yeah, yeah. That sounds oh, and I guess um, this one last one for me is um, this one's not like I don't know super new. This is 2003. Maybe you've seen it. It's called um, Planeties. Yes, I re- wasn't it. The, 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 they're, they're like um, I remember they're, the garbage men in that's space. Right, that's right. I I have seen that. I have seen that. Okay, yeah, that's like that's like my favorite anime of all time. Yeah, that's a pretty cool one. The animation was really good on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like the I just like a lot of the concept and like political themes. Yeah, yeah. I, I like anime like that. So you're mm-hmm. you kind yeah, of that's what I really like. Oh, you might sorry, you might like uh, an anime called Flag. It's from 2008. It's directed by the guy. Is it directed by the guy who did Vatomes? Hey, hey, I, I was totally shocked. Like because I, I grew up in the eighties and I'd never talked to anybody about it. I always thought it was Votoms. But everybody says it's it's, it's Votom. No, no, I'd say Votom Votoms. But it's, isn't it like how do you pronounce it? It's Votoms? Votoms, probably. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it is Votoms because I I've something. always heard it as Votoms as well. So it's just like, wait, do what? You know why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really pay much attention. So like I always think of that with like The Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. With Ocarina of Time, everyone calls like the village Kakariko Village, which if you were pronouncing it, if it were Japanese, it'd be like the Kakariko Village. Right. So <laughs> I, I never like pay much attention. It's like whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce it, whatever. Well, hey, I, yeah. like, I mean, when we grew up in Especially the, with like, n- like the nonsense, like mecha names a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I know. I watched a review and, uh, and it's like Bottoms or something. I'm like, Bottoms, like that sounds so weird. The tomb, but yeah, it was all Votoms, or I, I, I can't, I don't even know what I was calling, it, but I wasn't calling it that. And I remember thinking, yeah, I really don't like that title, <laughs> and I always like the title. <laughs> that sounds, like, that I, sounds less cool. Sounds less cool. I know. And I actually, watched some guys reviewing that. It turned me off the entire anime. I was just like, oh god, it looks terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, like I think if you like uh, War in the Pocket, I think you'll really appreciate Flag because it's kind oh, of a. I love War. Its in the presentation Pocket. is very much like guerrilla kind of reporter warfare presentation. Oh, that's cool. It was very experimental, like where it was like first person has like camcorder kind of look, and is following like a very kind of grounded, you know, military conflict. I would say it's not so much like a Gundam or Vatoms or Vatoms, Vatom, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, where it's like giant mechs like flying in space. It's more like, it's more like Pat Lover. Oh, that's great. It. I love Pat Lover. I adore that show. Okay, guys, you give me something to uh, definitely go away with here. I, I can go and catch up on some, well, some animes I've missed and some that sounds definitely interesting. Hell yeah. yeah th- thank you for that. That's really cool. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I did want to touch on kind of the community aspect because like I always joke that there's like a alternate reality where like I started making video game reviews back in like 2012. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> like around that time is when I would have started doing it, but I didn't like get into any kind of video production. But like getting into the anime like production sphere it's felt surprisingly kind of like connected in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily guessed. We're like, you know, we're in contact with dozens of other anime content creators just like behind yeah. the scenes and we all kind of like share ideas and stuff. How prominent is that? Because like, I mean, obviously you had like the All Gen Gamers podcast. That's actually how I found you was through like Pete's channel right. and like his game room tours and stuff and then through All Gen Gamers and then found your channel through him and that. Right. How connected... Would you say that like the gaming or if you even know really is the gaming like production sphere like now because like it's so it seems like it's gotten like so massive compared to like the anime sphere that it doesn't seem like there might not be like that sense of oh, yeah. community behind the scenes like there is. No, there's, the there's not. So yeah, like back in the day when we kind of started on YouTube, anybody who was talking about video games, we connected to and there became a big community of people who watch the shows, people who just like video games. And all of that. And we just liked hanging out and like talking about that kind of stuff. And then as things progressed and all of that, everybody kind of went into their own sphere. And to be honest with you, I just concentrated, I think because I, I am older now, I think that's also it. I got a family, I got a, I got a daughter and stuff like that. I, sure. I, I really concentrate my time on certain things. So I don't talk to any, like I've been trying to talk to Pete Doerr for the last six months. We keep saying, hey, yeah, let's talk, let's talk. And and all of that, and we, you know, whenever we can do that, but there's not a huge sense of it anymore. And I think the reason why is because that opening sense of real community, of real hardcore fans, has dissipated to so many other people coming in. And I'm not, I'm not, hey, I'm not saying this, but I even corporations have come in. Like it's, it's, a, you know, and are, and are tapping into the YouTube sphere of video games. I'm just talking about video yeah. games. And it's almost like, that come in with production values and money and sponsorships and all that. And that, I think, has changed the entire YouTube atmosphere. And uh, I just try to stay true to myself and do my own thing in my my lane. But the, I didn't even realize it changed. I kind of looked back one day and everything had changed. And hmm. and and everybody, all the uh, creators, really stick to themselves. And I know a lot of them are part of certain communities together and all that. I kind of just do my own thing, not because I dislike anybody or anything like that. I just, I, cause I got to manage my time. I, uh, right. like yeah, to, to go definitely. and talk to people now, nearly turning 50, I don't just casually go and blabber for hours on an end. I, there has to be a reason for it and all of mm-hmm. that now because of time and timing and all that. But, um, and for, I, I don't know if that's, I, I don't know if that's changed for you in the anime scene. It sounds like everything, everybody's really well connected. I'll say this much. I'm on Twitter 
And, it, and sometimes it gets, I get uh, a recommendation of somebody talking about Macross. And I sit mm. and read their posts and I'm like, I'm following this person. And do you know what I do? Yeah. What I do, because I don't talk to anybody about anime anymore. I'm almost like this feverish nut job who wants to talk about anime. But I've got nobody to talk to anime about. So I'll DM that person because then maybe they're like sometimes following me. I'm like, dude, I'm I, I love it that you like Macross and oh my god, I'm a big fan. And I'm 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 going on because uh, I don't yeah. talk to anybody. But I notice one thing by doing that by following a bunch of people, it's a very small world. It can't, yeah. yeah, a little bit, especially because anime production is kind of split into like different spheres. We kind of do a little of everything, right? Like. Right. We watch stuff that's airing. We watch like older stuff and make a concerted effort to like try to talk about both equally. That's kind of uncommon with a lot of channels. A lot of channels either focus completely on older stuff or they focus completely on what's relevant and airing right now. Right. There's not really a huge effort to like combine the two. I do think it was interesting you mentioned the corporations thing because we do kind of get that. We're starting to see that with the anime production. Sure. Uh, the big channels that you might know. Oh, you might not know because it's. I don't. Like, I don't watch more... any. I do not subscribe to any anime big channels. I like, I, not that I'm against them, but I just I stay in the video game world. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. Like, um, those big names in the anime production sphere, like they have become kind of segregated, but they have also been kind of um, they like the big podcast uh in anime sphere is a uh, trash taste podcast now, and. That is produced by a Japanese publishing company. And so there's been some drama as far as like when they talk about some shows, because it's like, hey, the show that you're talking about saying it's a good show is produced by the company that signs your checks kind of thing. Oh, so, no. so we are getting a little bit of that in our sphere. Yeah, whenever there's money that comes in and sponsorships that that changes and you got to I'll tell you this much for me. I am very, very conscious about doing my own show my own way and not being influenced by money. Or, do you know, I won't, I won't even tell you, but I on Christmas time, I was offered $10,000 to do certain kinds of sponsorships, turn them all down. Damn. And hey, could I use that money? Sure, I'd love that money. But I knew it would change the authenticity of my show. And so I was like, no... I'm not going to do that. And hey, listen, if you guys ever want to do that, and I'll, I'm not saying, but for me, I you can't buy authenticity. That's the one thing you can't buy. And so, and so a lot of these shows, some of these guys start off as fans and then all of a sudden they have a huge audience. They start burning out because how could they not? Especially when you yeah. have a big audience, you have to be, there has to be a level of perfection there for that audience. So they're not going to be happy. And at that point, they start getting other editors. Then they got money coming in. Then they got, and then they get sponsorships. And then the show, I'm not saying it, and I'm not picking on anybody. I don't know anybody who's doing this, but it can change you. And I've seen it happen to YouTubers in the gaming spectrum and all of that. And uh, that's the one thing uh, uh, that I don't want to change being a fan. Like I come in right. today to talk to you guys. You can tell I'm just a fan. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is like my passion. And I don't want my passion to be changed by yeah. i'd say say a company comes in saying oh how could you talk that about this game when we paid you thousands of dollars as a i don't have i'm not ever in that position so i i can when i talk goodly so goodly when i talk greatly about a game <laughs> it's usually because i really love it and i there's a passion there and i don't want to ruin that passion and i think the passion can get ruined sometimes with mm -hmm. money in there doing the sponsorship once in a while no big deal but if you right, have right, like right. a mega corporation show with production value, I mean, you become the product of that show. 
Yeah. I, unfortunately. I feel like we th- feel very kind of similarly to you. Mm-hmm. Neither of us really feel like money is that important. Like it's more no. about just like getting a conversation. Like we're very passionate about talking about this. Oh, I know. Yeah. And sure. so we want to get like that conversation out there and like personally me being in the sphere as long as I have, I've been, I felt so much like frustration trying to like just go into smaller communities and like steer the conversation that way. Cause you're like, Hey, you should watch this show. And they're all kind of still watching you know, what's popular and you don't really have anyone to talk about it with. Mm-hmm. And so this is more of like a productive way for me, I guess, to kind of like yeah. be that change that you want to see and sh- push the conversation, even if it's just a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like push that conversation to something more productive or like something that you want to see to change to. Great, great example of what you're saying is what you just did for me five, six, seven, ten minutes ago, where I asked you for recommendations I'm actually mm-hmm. gonna go watch those recommendations. And I, I listen to me, I don't know any anime channel on there on YouTube or anything. I couldn't go into YouTube and watch any new person on there telling me to watch some anime. Because I don't know who they are. I don't know if I really buy them and all that. Where with you guys, the one thing, your authenticity again is so uh, real and from a from a really good place of being a fan that I absolutely buy all what you're recommending to me, as will other people. People will, will listen to this and listen to you guys go, these are the guys that I should be listening to because I believe them. I know them as people. I like them as people. They're just fans like me. I want to be recommended by a fan to a fan. Well, we're definitely trying to. <laughs> yeah. And that that's even with we're my, on that grind. Even with my own show, that's why I've never changed my background in 15 years of the show because I want it to be grounded into how it started and and me the, being the fan then and me being the fan now. And I didn't ever want that to change. And uh, that's the one thing I can go to bed on a night and I sleep very well knowing that I have a passion for whatever it is I'm doing, if it's on YouTube or what. Uh, and I and it's not influenced or changed by any outside things. And I think that's why my audience comes in and watches me because they know I'm not just making this stuff up or uh, mm. these are real, this is who you are. And that's, that's I think, the trick to YouTube and to do anything, podcast or anything, they want the real people. They want the real, so give them the real person. Don't give them the changed person over time who becomes influenced and, and if you are burnt out, go burn out and, and then come back type of thing and all that. I feel sorry for a lot of these channels, they get big and then they have to stay big. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, and that's hard. I will say it was definitely it was a surreal experience because like you know I'm not I'm not gonna like blow smoke up your ass or anything right like I, I've been subscribed to you for twelve years. Well, thank I you. <laughs> watch your stuff like on and off because sure of course you know, I, of course I'm not I'm not playing games consistently. You'll have a video that pops up in my feed. I'm like oh it looks interesting like your um the Yoshiteru Suzuno one like oh, that pops up in my feed. Insane eh? Yeah, like that was a really interesting video to me. Like. But, you know, I don't watch every episode. I watch on occasion. Of course, I don't expect Um, anybody to. You've kind of been, like, this personality in my peripheral for 12 years now, almost. Right. And so, like, when you messaged me, it was such, like, a surreal moment. Because, like, (laughs) I told the story to Sai. Like, I was at work. I was about to go on my lunch break. I had my phone. And I see, like, someone followed you on Twitter, which I have a very small Twitter. I don't. I'm not, like, really good at Twitter. It was very hard to track you down, by the way. (laughs) So, like, I see I get followed, and I, like, I just see, like, the name briefly. It didn't, like, register. I'm like, oh, okay, who's this? I click on it, and then, like, your profile picture comes up, and it's, like, your channel profile. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's... (laughs) 
That's interesting. Which I do. Yeah. What does he want? A date? Like, what's this guy? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I knew. I knew you knew William because I think I actually found him through your videos. Oh, interesting. Um, initially, yeah. But I mean, it never like occurred to me that you might watch what we made, like uh, with him or with him making a video about us, or whatever. As you say, it's a very small community. And so mm-hmm. I saw like William talking, he made an episode talking that was, he was mentioned on your podcast. So I went and watched it and I, I listened to the whole thing. And I'm like, I really like these guys. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I would love to talk to, you know, some anime with them. But his, I know you don't understand this. You think like from my point of view, because I'm very grounded. Then I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. these guys are like pretty cool guys. I mean, I don't really, you know, want to bug them to be on their show. That's so like w- like pretentious of me. So, but I was like, <laughs> man, I really need to talk about anime. So like, maybe, maybe I'll just say, hey, if you're looking for a, I, I even think I, the way I worded it with you was like, hey, if you ever like looking for somebody in the future or somebody like, I, I kind of would like to, to do that. And I was so like, I'm so thankful that you guys got it. If you guys got William Chow on, I was like, you guys get it. I mean, you really mm-hmm. are hardcore fans of anime. I mean, that's just, and so I became a fan of you guys. And so that's why. So, oh, thank you for your, your compliment. And, and thanks for watching the show and all that. But I'm telling you, okay. I think even to do with my show, to do with your show, to do with Will, the core thing is none of us are corporate. We're all fans. And I think, yeah. Yeah. and that's, I think we're just fans talking to fans about fandom. And I think that's what's cool about it. That's how I discovered you through the grapevine of fandom and, and all of that. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, I, I listen to you guys and I'm like, these guys know their shit too. Like these guys are so knowledgeable and new stuff that I have something to learn here too. So that's what I, uh, I really enjoyed, especially when you guys had William on and, and Kenny on beforehand. I, I was just like, this, these are really good podcasts. I listened to the whole thing. Like it was just in one setting, it was like really, really good stuff. So really it's interesting. Time. Like, yeah. We definitely, like, right now we're having a lot of people in the anime sphere on, like, uh, our friend Joe, Posit Select, and then Kenny, obviously. But, yeah, we would love, like, my vision for, like, what I would love to do in the future, like, whenever we have, like, more means to do it, whether it be time or whatever, get, like, able to find somebody to kind of edit the audio for us or something. Right. Like, I'd love to be able to, like, talk to other, like, not necessarily, like, not only, like, anime creators, like, you know, people who watch anime in other spheres, because, like, I've always really valued, like, the perspectives of other people. And, like, especially people who don't necessarily have my perspective. Because, like, obviously, in the anime sphere, we have different perspectives from each other. But we're still coming at anime a certain way. Whereas, like, you know, talking to you or talking to, you know, any other kind of content creator that's not necessarily focusing on anime, you get, like, a different perspective than you would talking to somebody who got into anime and is doing, like, video essays or something. And then, like, I would love to do that as well as platform, like, other smaller channels, you know, that we can have on and, like, have those conversations, too. Do, do, do you know, like, like you, got, you guys have to understand this, too. You'll find this fascinating. Uh, as much as I, I know, you know, my level of anime stuff and all that, in listening to you guys, it was almost kind of intimidating and I think this is just in general for somebody who's into anime and they want to come on a, a, an anime podcast. It's intimidating because the the world of anime coverage that like you guys are doing and these shows are doing on YouTube, it, it's kind of like scary because um, it's intimidating because you're like, these guys know so much about so many unique things. Will I just go on the show and not know what they're talking about because they're using all the latest terminologies and things like that, terminologies that sure. I don't know. Because you, you guys have used a few terminologies that I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I'll go with it. A lot of them I do know, though, too. And it's fascinating from my point of view that it is kind of nervy coming in and talking on, especially with younger guys, because younger guys are in tune with what's going on now. 
So it's it's like, oh, am I the hip, cool old guy? Do I know enough? Uh, uh, you know, am I going to be out of my depth? And there, there was that kind of thought process for me like, going in to to kind of like saying sure. to coming in for you guys. That's why I was kind of like. Oh man, like it's kind of nervy for me to say, "Hey, do you mind if I come in and talk to you about anime?" That's that's mm-hmm. that was all the behind the scenes stuff. So, uh, but yeah, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, it's like it's it's great stuff. I I'm looking forward to all the future ones as well. Thank- Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. If we ever do make money, it's probably not going to go to us. It's just going to go to don't or else.